here. Did I just lose you? No, I'm here. Just if I'm out of it today, it's because my buddy that had cancer died a couple days ago, so I'm still fucking processing. Well, that'll be fun to do. Yeah. I'm sorry about your friend, though. That sucks. Thank you. <laughs> he would have fucking loved this show, though. That's the... <laughs> so I was like watching it, rewatching it, being like, man, he would have fucking loved this shit. Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about this show. I was like, nobody loves this show. What are you talking about, Tim? No, I I, I think he may have listened to the podcast occasionally, but not he was not a regular listener. Well, that's he's not bad. a podcast guy. That's okay. Not yeah. everybody is a podcast guy. Some people aren't podcast people. Most people aren't podcast people. Apparently. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We have some. I actually, I turned on... The one of the limited things I can do on Facebook right now is like do certain administrative shit on our Facebook page, which is one of the things that prompted me to do is like, hey, you can turn on that like top fans thing for like your your Facebook followers that interact with you the most. So Michael Taylor, Matthew Fab, Blake, guess who's getting top fan badges? I don't know. I'm assuming we're not we don't have any say over who gets them. We can take them away from people, though. Can we? We'll use that power at our discretion, I guess. Yeah, we'll use it very responsibly, you can be sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is, like, <laughs> exactly the thing that, like, we need is, like, yeah. some ridiculous little power thing. Yeah, and That's not, good. not totally indiscriminately at all. It's <sighs> exciting, isn't it? Like, just the, the power that, you know, a fascist organization wants you to have over your followers. You are no longer our top fan. Good old Facebook. I'm I'm excited to be a part of this social <laughs> experiment that is social media in 2021. Welcome back to Dance Robot Dance, everybody. This is episode 251. Apparently, this is going to be the most maudlin episode ever. <laughs> I mean, given the gore level of our fucking meat of the episode, then our hamburger meat of the episode, I guess I should uh, say. See, the, the worst part is, this is my favorite thing we've watched this year so far. <laughs> Yeah, like as gloomy and dour as it was, I was like, I am on board. This is fantastic. I just put more of it into my eyes. Two more seasons? I want six. Get it all. Get it all to me. Yeah, so I'm Mark, and I'm here with Tim. Hi, folks. And I guess we'll just get into the news. Let's do it. <laughs> First of all, I just congratulations to Kat Denning and Andrew WK for being the fucking most surprising couple I've ever heard in my life. Really? Totally makes sense yeah they're engaged they got engaged today that's amazing so. yeah that does fucking make sense that i can totally i can totally fucking see them together that's yep. amazing yeah so i saw that news and i was like wait they're together i was like wait i'm jealous because obviously i'm jealous of cat dennings for being with andrew wk because he's amazing there you go yeah exactly be, be jealous be jealous <laughs> of both of them really yeah exactly <laughs> uh so i was gonna turn that one around not jealous of him because she's stunning but like <laughs> yeah no I, I as soon as i read it i was like huh I didn't know that, but huh, that makes a lot of fucking sense. Like it just a hundred percent tracks. Hopefully that means he'll get to do a soundtrack piece for the new Thor movie. Cause I'm, I think she's back for new Thor. How are they going to do Natalie Portman getting superpowers and not have Kat Dennings there to take the piss out of the entire situation. So <laughs> yeah, let's do this thing. Either way. Congratulations, fan. Good times. Wanted to bring up something happy before I, so I'm just going to talk about the John Berman thing because it's all over the news, <sighs> even though it's an ancient, ancient story about him taking his dick out. I heard these stories back in the day too. It's that now they're, they're now they're now we're doing this the James Gunn thing where it's like, well, he did this thing twenty years ago, and I'm still offended by it. It's like, well, to, that's uh, to be fair. I would say John Barrowman taking his dick out on yeah. a TV set is a lot worse than like James Gunn making some off color jokes on Twitter. My problem is that he's like he's been raked over the coals, fired, and are like you know what I mean. He's already been through the ringer for it, and like doesn't do it anymore. Oh, was he just, back in? 
did did he I didn't realize that he actually had shit happen to him back in the day from No, it. this is like all this stuff was from back in the day. Yeah, right? yeah he, I know. he doesn't do it anymore, but yeah. now this the story's come back and he's like, well, I apologize for this once already and everybody seemed cool and now we're going to do this again. Yeah. I I'm just confused by this. I'm like I remember hearing this story already and like him getting chastised by like the head of the BBC and shit. Yeah. So like if it's not him doing it again, then this is clickbait to me. Yeah, fair. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, they're, they have been planning this like immersive experience. Well, he's been uh, in removed the from all that. Yeah, and he's pulled story. out of that. And they also pulled them, uh, they canceled the radio drama, which whoop do fucking do? I haven't listened to a single one of those Doctor Who audio dramas. I can't even be bothered to watch the show half the time anymore. Like, even during like Doctors I Like, I'm like, oh, all right, <laughs> this just keeps going. So, <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, it's it's not surprising to me. I didn't follow it back then when it happened. Wasn't really following entertainment news to that extent back then. So it doesn't really surprise me, given like his personality overall, that he was whipping his dick out on TV sets or whatever. But yeah, it's just yeah, like don't. But like, yeah. let's not drag him <laughs> through the mud for the third time, like fucking 10 years later, like again, because yeah. that still offends you. It's like, well. If we raked him over the coal, like, how, like, does he just get to get continuously get raked over the coals for this now yeah. for the, the rest of his life? Like, yeah, there's fuck there's, off. There's got to be some nuance to how these things are handled. I yeah. Think. And people who I wouldn't mind raking over the coals, Zack Snyder has owned up to provoking his fans for clicks and horseshit about the Snyderverse. So I didn't even read that. I didn't fucking like <sighs> give him the pleasure of having take up space in my brain rent free over that shit. I just want to make sure everybody who's going to bitch at us about our anti Snyder cut horse shit, because we are, I am definitely anti Snyder cut or Snyder verse or whatever. He manipulated you into this because you're an idiot sheep is basically what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so good for you. Yeah. I mean, I, you could fucking tell he was doing it too. You oh, know, absolutely. he was just stoking, stoking the flames. He's going out giving like interviews that were purposefully inflammatory and shit like that. And so. So I'm just going to do this last piece of news because it's fun. The Kevin Smith led He-Man show. We got a date for it and we saw some key art too this week. Uh, I thought it looked kind of neat and it comes out on July 23rd. So not too, too far off for that to happen. I'm not going to talk about Gal Gadot in Israel because I don't understand anything about the Middle East. That's and a mess. Yeah. I, I don't want to talk biggest, about it. So the biggest concern there, like what she's saying, like isn't particularly inflammatory. It's just that she like refuses to acknowledge one side of the conflict. Right. And I mean, she's, she's, she's Israeli. Yeah, exactly. She's Israeli. So this is another one of those ones where I'm like, like the mental gymnastics you have to do to not understand where she's coming from, where she yeah. served in the Israeli army and is from Israel. Because she had to, let's be clear. Like everybody yeah. has to do everybody has to. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. public service. And it's not like she, you know, chose to go into the, do that public service, but I don't know. No, but I don't know. I, I I just, you know, what are you going to do at this point? What a disaster this whole world is at this point. It's just like, whatever. That was all you had? That's all I had. I don't know what else you want to talk about. What else? Margot Robbie has come out and said specifically that she wants to have Poison Ivy in the, like, Harley Quinn movies with her. In the Birds of Prey movie that's not happening? Because it's like. Then they just she came out in the same interview and said they're not making any more movies right now. They have no plans for anything. Yeah. So well, yeah, could, yeah. Like I want to see the basically the dynamic they have with Harley Quinn on the animated series, like translated to the big screen. Sure, absolutely. But like yeah. if they're just not deciding to not make any more of these movies because 
I guess Margot is Margot Robbie too expensive now. I was gonna Maybe. say, why wouldn't they like Margot Robbie is just a fucking cash cow for them? I would think so, unless she that she wants too much money or too much creative control, then you know, yeah. then they're out. So I don't know. So like, yeah, like I'm all on board for that stuff, but like at the same time, she's sitting there telling me it's. I don't even know if there's a sequel happening. So like, don't look at me. I got other millions of other movies that people want me to be in because I am Margot Robbie. So like, yeah, if DC is gonna let that one float, then. That's their own fucking problem, I guess. Yeah. See, Dave Batista has said that he's probably going to be done with playing Drax after Guardians 3 because, like, he's getting offers out the wazoo right now. He's in, speaking of Zack Snyder, he's in Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead right now, and he's got some other stuff. He's in fucking Knives Out 2 along with everybody else in Hollywood, apparently. Yeah, like that. I, when he got announced, I was like, who cares? Everybody else in the fucking, like the entire <laughs> city's in this movie, too. You know what I mean? I bet you if I drive through Hollywood that weekend, I bet you I can get a cameo. You'll, you know what you'll I mean? run like, into somebody that's <laughs> with your car that's fucking in, in like in Knives Out, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or something like that. So, yeah, Janelle Monet and Catherine Hahn were, I think, were the other two that I saw this week that got cast in it. Yeah, but like, that's fantastic, right? Catherine Hahn after yeah. her little WandaVision turn to be. Quite yeah. interesting. So, uh, and and you, I I'm very surprised, Mark, that you don't want to talk about the Venom Let There Be Carnage trailer. Oh, was that this week? Yeah, it came out this week. I thought we talked about it last week. I forgot. It looks like a fucking hot mess, just like the first movie. Uh, yeah, I'll watch it on pay per view probably. I mean, like, uh, you know <laughs> what I mean. You know what I mean. Yeah. <sighs> but like, I. It, <sighs> nope. <laughs> One of the things I was most excited this week, and I, I know I talked about this on the podcast before, was Mystery Science Theater 3000's Kickstarter finished up and it got fully funded. It was like three quarters funded or something like that, but like it got put over the top in its last couple of days. And so uh, we're getting 12 more episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000, as well as a bunch of like other bonus stuff and that sort of thing, because they like hit stretch goals and shit so i backed that for like a 100 bucks so i'll be getting a bunch of stuff out of that including access to that season that's cool i mean i'll get that season eventually i'll get into it yeah i like msd3k it's just you know it's not something i'm in the mood for all the time i gotta be in like the mood yeah for yeah it, so. me, yeah same one of the things that was one of the goals was joel's actually going to come back and do i think at least one episode with them so, you know, Joel Hodgman, who created yeah. the series, is, had backed away, has just been in sort of a producing role for many years and has passed the reins down to uh, Jonah Ray. But now he's saying that he's going to come back and do some actual riffing, which would be fun. Is this still Jonah Ray doing it? Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. He turned being Chris Hardwick's butt monkey into a <laughs> reasonably profitable career. So now Chris Hardwick is the butt monkey. Well, he kind of always was, but that's just. <laughs> I used to listen to the Nerdist back in the day. It was like one of those ones you just kind of like threw on. Yeah. Because it was, they kind of talked about this stuff or they, had, they usually got good interviews also. So yeah. that was usually something to listen to. Either way. This one I'm, I'm actually pretty excited for. Three Adult Swim series are getting feature length film movies, animated movies. Uh, Venture Brothers, which re- pretty recently got canceled. Metalocalypse, which has been canceled for ages. And Aqua Teen Hunger Force, which has been canceled for even fucking longer. Out of those three, I'm the most excited for Metalocalypse. But I'll, I've never watched Aqua Teen Hunger Force, but I'll fucking watch that Venture Brothers movie too. I didn't watch any of that, so I have no idea what's going on right now. You've never watched Metalocalypse? You'd fucking no. love Metalocalypse. No. It, it riffs so hard on metal culture. And like the actual metal is pretty solid in it too. Fair. Uh, no, I, I just completely... I was never an Adult Swim person, so I don't yeah. know. I missed that whole whatever, like, cartoon 
thing yeah. that happened there. Just completely missed it. So Fair yeah. enough. Uh, the last thing that I had, well, I don't know. Do you want to talk about the Indiana Jones 4K trailers? I mean, they look good. I mean, I've ordered my set, but like, it's not really like a news story so much as it's just true. like Mark's buying just... 4K movies. So, yeah, no, I'm like, like, I'm excited to pick up that set so that I can watch Raiders again for the. And now I got a 4K player. Well, there you go. So there you go. I mean, that'll be my first 4K thing. Although I need to get the Lord of the Rings movies in 4K too. Yeah, I bought. I have all the Marvel movies in 4K now. So that was my Slowature collection. I got them all picked up now. Nice. But it took a while. And then uh, the last thing I had was the the. Golden Globes have just seemingly refused to adopt the diversity reform that everybody was asking them to do. And so now they're basically canceled. NBC has said they're not going to air the award show next year. So Hollywood for Press Association, fuck you, get your shit together. Look forward to not reading that list of nominees this year. Because yeah. we always seem to read it and then just be like, why are we reading this? None of, <laughs> nothing we like is ever in here and never wins anyway. So. Yeah. No point. It seems it always ends up seeming kind of redundant when you compare it against like the Oscars and the Emmys, anyway. So it's true. Yeah. So that's it. Cool. Well, then it's uh, it's time for Geek of the Week. Geek of the Week. So this is the segment where we tell each other the nerdiest thing we did this week. Uh, we'll start with. I mean, we, Tim, just go. I don't know. I'm like, we'll start with Tim. Like, there's 14 people. In the <laughs> for me, probably just I played more Spirit Tracks. I'm just trying to clear out one of my games before I start like diving really into I was gonna say you heard that right listeners we got him a PS5 and he's still playing fucking DS games I know so. I know it's just I I don't like having a bunch of shit on the go on any given time so I'm trying to make sure like I finish one thing before I start another game so I think I'm maybe I think I'm like 80% done now but it's since I like gave my last update on the podcast I definitely had a realization that I had a lot more game to go than I thought I did it's pretty fucking long for a handheld Zelda game. Like I looked for one thing, I didn't know that there was a website called how long to beat.com, but yes, that exists. Oh yeah. That's been there for a long time. <laughs> uh, and it's the, what it says is that it takes completionists such as myself about 32 hours on average to complete this handheld fucking Zelda game. Yeah, most of them, like, I mean, link between worlds was like a solid 20 something plus hour game when you yeah. complete it. And then like, I'm trying to think. I can't think of a Zelda game. I mean, Breath of the Wild notwithstanding, which obviously <laughs> takes like hundreds of hours to do the completionist thing with. Um, I can't think of a Zelda game that took me less than 30 hours to get through and like 100% it to my satisfaction, I guess. Yeah. Um, in a pre-trophy achievements kind of way. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, I guess they don't even have those on the Switch. Or do they? Do they have achievements on Switch? They don't, uh, right? Not, not, no, not really. Not that I can think. Not the way that like Microsoft and Sony do the, tr- yeah, the trophies yeah, and the achievements. Anyway, yeah, Speaking of which, I've also enough. edged closer to uh, platinuming Astro's Playroom. I've got like three or four pro- trophies left to to knock that out. I, I did all the uh, speed runs uh, oh, over okay. the past week or two and, and got like a cumulative score that was low enough to uh, get the trophy for that. But like even there, like I'm I'm going through being like, wow, that was amazing. I did that so fucking fast. And then you see the leaderboards and I, there's like 200,000 people above me kind of thing. Just wait till you start doing the, uh, there's some like time trial things in Spider-Man that are just like Ugh. aggravating, like seriously aggravating because I just finished that on ultimate difficulty. And I was just like, to the point where like I got good enough at the combat that like even ultimate was like, this is fucking easy. You know what I mean? But yeah. like some of the challenges no matter what difficulty you're on, they suck. Like they're super difficult regardless of whether you do them on like very easy or like 
ultra ultimate or whatever. Yeah. So I'm like, oh god, give me a fucking break on these fucking challenges. But yeah, <laughs> uh, Astro's Playground, I I understood it's it, I should be able to just platinum it in an afternoon if I sat down and like concentrated on it. And I just I, I haven't gone back to it since my first like I played through all the sectors like one time kind of thing and like beat it I guess. And yeah. then I was like, eh, I'm cool with that. This is not a platinum I need, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Spider-Man, especially because like I was I was dying to get into Miles Morales when I got my PS5. Like that game was yeah. like calling to me, so I was desperate to get into that. And I kind of dove right into that initially. So yeah. so fingers crossed, maybe I can get both of these knocked out over this weekend so I can start actually using your PS5. <laughs> start being Spider-Man. I don't know. The fucking graphics in uh, Astro's Playroom are pretty solid for a you know little fucking platformer. Oh, it gets better though, man. You got to see some oh, of the sure. stuff they they like. What was I looking at this week? What was I playing this week? I was playing Mortal Kombat 11, mm. the PS5 version, like just upgraded. That was like this looks almost like a whole new game to me, just based on like frame rate and like how much nicer it looks in like full 4K and stuff. So that was cool. I think it was PSX that I got because it was one of the PlayStation Plus free games or something like last month or something. Not it's PS, possible. not uh, not MK11. Yeah, no, MK11 is the new one. MKX there was 10 is like, yeah, that one's available on PlayStation Plus. I have like all of it also. So I just I'm playing 11 because it's the new one. And that's what people are playing online. Plus, they just put new characters out and stuff not too long ago. So I was fiddling with that. I don't know. I want those new the black controller. Did you see the black controller? They yeah, this- wasn't there a, a red and a blue one or something like that too? Who care? Who cares about the red one? You want the black one? God damn it! <laughs> it's the same. I was like looking for plates. I'm still looking at those uh, the D brand plates, like the black plates to get rid of the white because I hate right, the white. Right. The white's killing me. It's just like a big white reflective surface right under my TV that's just yeah. blasting, like catching light, like it just catches light. It's driving me insane. <laughs> That it's not. First of all, it should just be black. Playstations have been black since the PS2. Just make the fucking thing black <laughs> so that it blends in with the rest of my gear. It's the same as like I there's the the smaller Xbox, the S, that's white, and I'm just like, ugh, ugh. Who would buy anything white like that and put it under their TV? Like it's just so yeah. eye catching and garish there. And I'm like, no, black. Everything should just be black. Ultimately, I'm hoping to have ours inside of a media cabinet uh, that is probably gonna have to be custom built because we're gonna have so much shit to go in it but yeah you're also probably gonna want to put some ventilation fans on the back of that oh, for yeah, that yeah. unit because yeah. holy shit that thing is apparently it does run pretty hot if you enclose it you mm. got to be careful with the ps5 no i'll make sure that there's some space around it it won't be like snug in a cubby kind of thing yeah 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 and i just like i like my, i'll leave mine out on the tabletop basically so that's fine uh, I just want it to be black. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm just ordering those D brand plates. I think this weekend. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> like just these white things are just like they're hideous. And I, like I thought Sony was gonna do official ones because they look. They're so easy to pop off, right? Like yeah. Like they get them on and off. I'm sure I they mean, will eventually. Oh, I mean, it's got to manufacture enough consoles so that people are like, "Why are you putting this out when nobody can even get a console?" <laughs> yet? And he's like, "Yeah, I get it. I get it." But like, you know what? I just want my plates now that I've got the deck, and it's ugly. It's not the fucking plates that's holding up the console. It's the no. fucking silicon. Yeah, it's definitely the uh, the chipset is a problem because they're already talking about a redesign. I'm not sure if it's an external redesign or like uh, just an SOC redesign so they can uh manufacture it more cheaply on a smaller process or something like that but i mean that's come that's always going to happen on these things but it's just funny that like it's we're six months in and they're already like oh yeah we're, we're doing the slim's coming it's like oh yeah. my god <laughs> is the pro coming too because that one i'll actually think about you know what i mean like it's fucking more hor- how, and how are you gonna get more horsepower into these things you can barely get these things out the door as it is for 500 bucks so yeah. anyway i'm glad that you're going to finally get and play your playstation 
I've, I've been fucking with it plenty. I've been downloading plenty of games and shit because there's been so many sales, and Mark has been alerting me to more sales, like the Arkham games and shit. And well, if you, I figure these are things you're going to play, yeah, or we want to play anyway. So like, well, if I see them for on sure. sale for eight bucks, while well, I'm constantly, I'm always whatever trolling for fucking game deals because the fuck else do I have to do with my time anymore? <laughs> so there you go. Play, play your fucking media, your digital game pile your shame pile i have been that's why i was playing mortal kombat this week because i was trying to like i hadn't played after any of the aftermath or ultimate content so i was like oh i got story to play through and this that and the other thing and what else do i got i got i'm all trying to think what else i want to play right now it doesn't really matter i just want a black controller and black plates so that my playstation looks like it's supposed to so it can look like your soul yeah sure absolutely wardrobe yeah, just glowing, like black with glowing blue. Sure, I'll, <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, so sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your Geek of the Week by rambling about PlayStation horse shit for 30 minutes. But <laughs> uh, I watched Castlevania yesterday, and like that was basically my Geek of the Week. And it was fine. It totally wraps up the series. It left a couple weird dangling threads, but it's definitely stuff that they could come back to in like a sequel series where they don't have that particular writer involved that nobody wants to be involved with right now, even though I think he's kind of, he's kind of the heart and soul of that show. So like, I don't know what they do at that point. Cause it, it very much relies on his voice, like that world at this point. So yeah. I think moving it forward in hiring a new writer is probably the best way to do excise the Warren from the franchise at this point. We'll probably see him start popping up with like working with uh, like comics gate assholes and shit like that in the near future <laughs> christ i hope not you know what i mean like that that would that would just make me so fucking sad <laughs> if he couldn't get his shit together enough and like you know apologize properly enough to like just either just go away or you know maybe just go write his books or something like ugh, i don't want to see him working with uh what's his name like Van skyver or whatever oh yeah ethan Van skyver yeah what a piece of shit. Yep. Either way, I mean, like, if you were watching Castlevania, it's totally worth finishing watching Castlevania. If you weren't, I'm not going to recommend it at this point for various reasons. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it's still animated really well and stuff, although not, maybe not to the same degree as what we're talking about tonight. So, although <laughs> I had some issues with some animation there, too, but, you know. Nobody's Studio Ghibli, apparently, that's <laughs> doing superhero cartoons for <laughs> Western audiences, you know. Studio Ghibli should like totally contract out and be like, we'll do one Spider-Man movie, I guess, just so we, we can see how they would do it and then just not never do it again, basically, because <laughs> I'd love to see an animated movie with that level of craftsmanship with a character that like was something I'm that invested in, like a Spider-Man yeah. or a Batman or something like that. But we did see how we saw into the Spider-Verse. That's true. Actually, that's a good call. We did see Spider-Verse. That had a very like Western super cartoon super feel to it. Yeah. Uh, though I, I kind of want that like super technically accurate like anime kind of looking stuff like the super detailed yeah the hyper detail shit like that's kind of what i want to see but i'm just you know i'm a bitch for 2d animation really so like castlevania was just like i was it's more me just kind of watching the animation like i don't know what's going on half the time <laughs> i don't like this story doesn't make any sense based on the castlevania i know but warren ellis makes these characters swear an awful lot and the animation is quite nice for the most part so i'm like yeah let's sit here and stare at it in 4k i guess so yeah yeah, that was it. Just I actually watched something on Netflix. It's like the first time I watched something on Netflix in fucking ages. I can't remember the last time I watched. It. Yeah, it must have been. That must have been the last thing <laughs> I watched. Which I'm still not finished with. I need to finish that too. How like the mighty have fallen? Where like I used to spend just hours watching all their original stuff, right? Like they had the Marvel stuff and like Stranger Things and mm-hmm. like what else was I watching? Like Dark and all that other stuff that they were doing. And I'm now I'm just like, you said you didn't watch Dark. 
I watched like the first season of it and I got okay, bored. Right. This is Netflix and I get <laughs> bored after the first season. But that, and now it's like they get me back like once every three months for a cartoon that lasts six episodes. Like it's kind of embarrassing compared to like where they were, where I was like constantly fucking watching something on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, so, they're, they're relying very heavily on the uh, like archive stuff that they have now. Right. Like on yeah. shit, like, like uh, the big names, like fucking comedies and friends and parks and rec in the office and shit. Like I bet you, you know what? I may have probably popped in there to, to watch star Trek at some point. Cause the, uh, the four oh, classic right. series are still on Netflix. So I may have popped in to like watch a TOS episode or something at some point. Just until random. they lose that to Paramount plus when, whenever those deals expire, who knows? Assuming Paramount plus still exists when those deals expire. Well, that's the thing too. And like for right now, like in Canada, we would you'd go to Crave because none of those things exist, right? Like yeah. CBS, all access never existed up here, so you end up like looking at a Crave subscription, just being like, I mean, aside from Letterkenny, what else am I watching on here at this point? Like, you got to get the HBO add-on, which is like doubling the price of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's uh, easier, faster ways to get access to that content uh, on the we'll just say the high seas. Yes. So with your tri corner hat. Yes, basically. And a Jolly Roger. So either way, it's meat of the episode time, I think. Meat of the episode. Liquefied cartoon meat. Yeah, shredded cartoon meat is actually what I was thinking about. It's little itty bitty pieces. So uh, Tim and I have both watched the first season of Amazon Prime's and uh, Robert Kirkman, obviously, is Invincible, the animated series that is... Just finished his first season, I want to say last week or the week before this recording. Mm-hmm. And we are here to discuss that animated show. I guess we should start with like background on Invincible, whether you're like a Kirkman person or not. So, I mean, have you've read Walking Dead, but not Invincible, correct? Correct. I've read all, well, I've read the entire main series of Walking Dead. Fair, yeah, same, same, yeah. yeah I've, I've read a, a little bit of the but... side things, but um, I have a couple of the like I have the Negan uh, graphic yeah. novel sitting there that I haven't read, and one or two others. I was gonna say, I bet you the thing that he, you and I both read that's not the main series is probably the Negan side story, and I was yeah. like, yep, there it is. I, I well, I picked it up, um, but oh, okay. I have I haven't read it yet. I've got that, and what's the other one? Alien, I think, maybe the other one. I don't know. I, I only read the Negan one. I've read the whole, like, whatever it is, 193 episode or issue uh, fucking main run of Walking Dead. But that's the only Kirkman thing that I've read. Fair enough. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because he never really he never went to DC, did he? He was he went to Marvel for a little while. No, he's never done my... it, Unless it was maybe like a one off story that I'm just not aware of or something like that. I don't think he's ever done anything for DC. Yeah, he did a little bit of work over at Marvel. So, like, he got involved with Spider-Man and stuff like that. Are they, they crossed Invincible over with Spider-Man, actually, in an issue. I can see that. So, well, I mean, they're it's spiritual successor, basically, right? Like, it's very much a... Uh, this is like if Peter Parker were Superman, basically. Yeah. The, the cartoon, so or the comic book, I guess, uh, originally. But, yeah, so for me, uh, I obviously, like, we did an episode about Invincible when it ended. Uh, at 144 issues, I read all of them. I just reread them again while the season was running the first time. I was like, man, this is this feels really accurate to what I remember reading. And I this is a, a book that I've reread a couple times now. So this, I probably reread it since the, the series ended at least twice now. Like I read it all the way through kind of thing. And I like I love the comic. It may be my favorite superhero comic that isn't Ultimate Spider-Man of the last 15, mm-hmm. 20 years kind of thing. It's just my like my favorite superhero book. Especially like, and not even saying like not DC, not Marvel, like just period. Like it's my favorite superhero book. I think it does everything that I want a superhero book to do. Note perfectly. 
throughout its entire run. Like I, that's why I keep harping on you to read it because it is like it's such a good fucking book. Like that you're you're a comic guy that hasn't read it just makes me shake my head basically because I'm just like it's so it's it's comic book distilled to perfection basically like it's so good so we'll have to get you to pick that up at some point over the summer maybe when you go on vacation or something like that we'll send you yeah. with a stack of Invincibles to read exactly. or something I'll just get pick up an omnibus or something yeah no DC books on vacation Tim you have to read <laughs> Invincible first and then you can read whatever you want I don't like when I'm I'm always hesitant to take like single issues with me on vacations if I can yeah. take a, a trade or something like that where I'm not as concerned about fucking up the quality or whatever I would just like I would just load them all up on Comixology and take yeah, the tablet with you so there's you. that but yeah, it, it reads real nice. So if you haven't read the comic and you're even thinking about it, like you're a comic reader, just go fucking read it. It's fantastic. And obviously this show is also like, so we'll just get into like high level, like non-spoiler thoughts. I'm not sure if I caught me saying this at the beginning of the episode. This is the favorite thing I've seen this year so far, or this is my favorite thing I've seen so far this year. I loved WandaVision and I liked Falcon and Winter Soldier. This just like I was reacting to it viscerally while I was watching it, and I knew exactly what was going to happen. I love this story, so that's my high level thoughts on it. Just go watch it. We don't even need to listen to us talk about it. <laughs> Shortest episode ever. Just go fucking watch it. It's so good, guys. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah. What about you? Where are you at with it? I had a lot of fun with it too. Um, I, I do like these more postmodern. I guess you could take yeah, say it takes on comic book characters and superheroes and that sort of thing where it really shows the consequences of what would happen, you know, when you're not suspending disbelief entirely, you know, like in in Marvel and DC and any other world where super powered fucking dudes fly around in tights. There's always that level of disbelief that has to be suspended where, Oh, they just crashed through that building, but everybody in there is fine. They evacuated that in time. Exactly. Right. Like this, this removes all of that fucking dearness from all all the pretense of like superhero tropes and stuff. Yeah. Are are kind of stripped away. And like, we've been seeing a lot of this stuff and this is an old hat thing. Like Watchmen did it first kind of thing. Yeah. um, And has gone on since then, but this is just like, it's a superhero universe where like, instead of being super grim and dour about it, it is still an upbeat. Mark is a more or less upstanding good guy throughout the entire and most run. of the global guardians are too and yeah and like the the good guys are good guys in the bat and there's shades of gray obviously as you get into stuff but like yeah. for the most part like you like mark the whole way through and but it's more you, in the way that they interact with the world around them is, but exactly that that's what i tougher. like it's like they're you're you're not having to go like super grim dark with it to have that level of like nasty realism kind mm-hmm. of intrudist way you still get that like idealism of a superhero book that should be there but it also shows you like the grim reality of like even as idealistic as mark ends up being or whatever or is at the beginning even at the beginning right he's super idealistic mm-hmm. the realities of this situation are that he is you know basically a fully powered kryptonian and we are basically wet cardboard to him or like wet tissue paper to him <laughs> yeah like, you know, it's that's just the way the world works here. So it's not even like a world of cardboard speech like Superman. It's like literally he sneezes it the wrong way and he fucking tears people in half because that's how <laughs> powerful the Viltrumites are. So I yeah, like this is this is my favorite shit. So I was just super happy with this animated show. So, Tim, I don't know how we want if you want to do this this way or if you want to kind of just quickly synopsize what the season does, because it obviously goes in eight episodes of hour long Robert Kirkman storytelling, which is just like mile. And I love, this is why I love it too. It's mile a minute storytelling. Like you just constantly blasting through shit and there's real consequences in this universe also. So like when somebody gets their face ripped off, 
they're stuck in the hospital for the next issue. Yeah, it's not like they're fine the next day. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Like they actually have recovery time. People are fucking dying left and right. Like you're watching people get pulped. It's all very, you know. I feel like I, I, I want to give a full synopsis on this just for people because I feel like this is one a lot of people might have slept on or it might have yes. gone under the under the radar for. And that's why, like, even, like, two weeks after the finale, I'm like, we should still do an episode. Because I feel yeah, like if yeah. you are sleeping on this, you should absolutely get on this. This may And, like, I don't know how often I go glowing on something like this. It's not often, obviously. So when I go nuts, I'd, I'd like to get it out there and be like, yes, even if it is three <laughs> weeks later, go watch Invincible. It's incredibly well done. So, yeah. so I did take synopsis notes. So Perfect. Let's burn through this. So we start at the White House where the Mahler twins, these two clones, uh, attack the White House and also the uh, the Guardians of the Globe. Basically, this Justice League knockoff show up and defeat them. Uh, don't get too attached to them. We meet Mark Grayson, who's the son of this universe's Superman, whose name is Omni-Man. Mark thinks he's a normal teenager, well, kind of a normal teenager, but he knows that he's half alien. He's half Viltrumite, which is this universe's Krypton. He gets bullied at school. One of his classmates, Amber, comes to his rescue. Uh, Then he starts getting his powers shortly after that. He tells his parents. And then we flash back to Omni-Man telling a younger Mark that he's an alien and that he'll end up developing powers eventually. It's basically the puberty talk, but also you will be able to tear people apart with your bare hands. (laughs) Basically, yeah. (laughs) He does kind of like soften that a little bit. It's like, you're going to be able to fly, son. It's like, wait, I'm also going to be able to like pull bricks apart or like bend (laughs) pennies in half like without thinking about it. So yeah, yeah, Yeah. all right, cool. Uh, So then we flash back to the present and then Omni-Man starts to train Mark. Uh, Omni-Man's secret identity is Nolan, although I think, I don't feel like he's ever really Nolan. I think he's kind of always Omni-Man. Uh, in the comics, they have him like he's a writer and they mention it in the series as well. But like, yeah, he's he's very much just like he's always Omni-Man. Yeah, it's very much more even though he is, you know, this universe is Superman. He's very much more the like Batman is the guy and Bruce Wayne is the mask kind of thing. Like in yeah. this case, like Nolan is very much the mask. But yeah, Omni-Man starts to train Mark, teach him how to control his powers, including flying Mark cannot figure out how to land, so he just fucking plows straight into the ground. So it just gives you one example of how this universe is just not, like, cut and dry, right? Like, yeah. It's it's not like you just instinctively know how to do these things. And what I also like is that he's he's shaky flying the whole season. Like, he's never 100% comfortable. Like, even, yeah. like, you can even see him in, like, the last episode when he's, like, trying to catch up to Eve or flying with Eve. That Like, they, even then, she's still more practiced at it than he is, which I thought mm-hmm. was... Like, just the attention to detail for that kind of stuff. Even, Mm -hmm. like, eight episodes in, I was like, holy shit, guys. That's way more work than most animation houses would put in. It's, like, actually having him still be wobbly in the air. I was like, that's cool. Good. Although somehow his clothes aren't just totally decimated when he plows into the ground. I'm not sure I understand that. That is one thing where they could have... That's a superhero trope, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, that is one trope that they were like, yeah, we'll just keep that one. Well... Uh, they, they're trying away from they, they're showing everything there's no nudity in this show no, considering there's an intense no. level of gore but uh yeah i was just surprising because the comic had like actually no, they didn't have like straight up nudity in it i shouldn't say that but they did a lot of like butt shots and, like, nudity and, and yeah, yeah a lot of implied nudity and which stuff is, which is like, what they did in walking dead too like they never yeah. show like titties and shit they'd show like somebody's butt from the back or whatever and yeah lots of thing. silhouettes and stuff right yeah. like they do a lot of that in here too and a lot of it like yeah. even when they do have sex scenes like they will editorially cut away to like Alan alien or something like that. Yeah. Like so that they could have their time alone or whatever. Yeah. I'm actually curious about how they're going to handle some of the, like some of the captioning stuff, like the, whoever the word of God person is in the captions, like obviously Robert Kirkman gets like cheeky about it. 
in that. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to miss that stuff in the in the captions from the comic because yeah. it's one of those things from the comic where the the, the captions on this narrator are kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So so then we start seeing these like random angry outbursts from Omni Man, and then we get the feeling that something's kind of off with him. Mark confronts his bully at high school, but instead of beating him up, just lets his bully like try and beat the shit out of him, but he can't feel it now because his powers have kicked in. Mark ends up doing the Spider-Man thing. He goes out in like a homemade costume and (laughs) stops a robbery by Titan, who is clearly this world's Luke Cage. Titan can encase himself in stone, basically. Yeah. But, But then his dad you know, finds him after that and takes him to a tailor, like the most stereotypically Jewish dude ever, Art Rosenbaum, voiced by Mark Hamill. Yeah. And Mark has a couple of like heart to hearts with his parents about getting his powers. In his dad's case, they're playing like around the world catch, which I thought was a nice little nod. Yeah, I thought that was fun. Yeah. Mark gets his new suit, picks his name, which is invisible, invincible, sorry. uh, And then fights Kill Cannon, which is just this generic supervillain that has (laughs) armor and a big gun for an arm. It's a joke on the Shocker, who is the uh, the mm. perennial butt monkey Spider-Man villain who always <laughs> shows up at the... He's the perennial Spider-Man cold, cold open, open villain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's always the guy that Peter runs into as he's robbing a bank and just beats the shit out of him. And then he gets arrested. And then we follow Peter off into his story. And poor fucking Shocker just gets left there like a fucking <laughs> schmuck. Because yeah. that's what he is, is just a schmuck. So, yeah, it's very much a Shocker. Lots of references to... Both sides of the aisle, obviously. Yeah, yeah in sure. in these characters. So, and we can talk about a little bit about that later on. So, yeah. uh, Omni Man calls the rest of the Global Guardians. Again, this universe is like Justice League to their secret lair, and he just absolutely fucking massacres them, tears them apart, limb from limb, gory as hell, leaves them a bloody fucking pile of flesh on the ground. And at this point, we have no clue why. We're just watching him destroy these people that you know trusted him and thought that he was on their side kind of thing yeah i so here's my question like right here before we even get to it like how what was your react like were you prepared for that so because that was that was something that like when every when that first episode aired anybody who had not read the comic was like what the fuck (laughs) because i remember being like oh they they actually put up a fight this time because in the comic it's literally one page he shreds them all yeah, you know what I mean. Like, how, you know how Superman, if he actually wanted to take down the Justice League, none of them <laughs> last very long. Yeah, like in real life, Wonder Woman can stand toe to toe with him in the DC universe. But yes, I get your point. Yeah, for depending the most part, on who's like, writing her. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you're writing that story, she's getting fucking thrashed too, right? Like, that's just the way it is. It's because it's Superman, right? And that's the in the comic, he it's like eight panels. Yeah, basically, he just fucking cuts them apart. It's. So I wasn't that surprised by that just because you okay. had you had told me not necessarily the plot of the book, but how fucking graphic it was. Yeah. And so, like, I didn't know exactly when it was coming, but when it did, it didn't like I wasn't like, oh, my God, what the fuck? I had no idea this show was going to be like this. Also, they alluded to it in the trailers as well. Yeah, that's true. See, I was I remember when I sat down to watch the first episode, the Mahler twins fight at the beginning is very antiseptic compared to right everything yeah. everything else that comes afterwards so i remember watching and being like oh are they gonna softball this i thought they were gonna softball the show so i was all set up to be disappointed and then the ending starts and he grabs red rush and i was like how nasty is this gonna get and then it got really nasty and yeah, i was like red right. rush just, just just fucking pulps his hands <laughs> against uh oh. against omni man's chest chef's kiss yeah. fantastic but i was like th- so they do that and i was like oh wait they're going all in on the gore from the comic 
everybody's going to be super upset tomorrow. Total bait and switch. Yeah. So. So in that opening scene, I was fully expecting them to go straight for the fucking throat right there. Yeah. That John Hamm guard, guard character. I was yes. expecting him to just be liquefied bisected yeah you know as he's talking about how his son's been doing better lately or something like that like that just seemed like this sort of thing that robert kirkman would do is get you start getting you attached emotionally to this character and then just mercilessly fucking kill him yeah so i i guess it is you know it's good pacing and i i love the pacing in the show overall they uh so they really do string you along until you get to that point and then they're like oh no you thought the show was going to be that it's going to be this yeah yeah okay cool because i was i wasn't sure how that would track to because i guess you're a little bit more aware of it than other people would be i was like i I would love to get like just the layman who has never seen any of this doesn't know what invincible is and you said oh a comic book show it's a comic book cartoon great like i remember watching justice league as a kid they're just getting to that like brutal fucking fight at the end i just i would love to see the reaction on like a layperson's face yeah (laughs) as that shit starts to dot on them and i think that was like my favorite part about like right after watching that first episode was going online and being like finding the corner of the internet where there's people who are just talking about it without being comic book people yeah and then just being like looking at these horrified reactions like jesus fucking christ i'm so traumatized now i'm like yeah you had no (laughs) idea what's coming just keep watching it's gonna get so much worse it's so much worse either way so that that's kind of the end of the first episode then the next episode the global defense agency which is like this shadowy organization that sort of supports this world's superheroes yeah they're shield their operatives come in find all the global guardians dead uh, except for omni-man who's still beat up pretty bad Uh, they don't know that was omni-man that killed them invincible battles an alien invasion force that's just like indiscriminately killing humans oh the flaxons yeah this is the yeah, first the f- appearance of the flaxons yeah then mark tries to save an old lady but he gets like blasted while he's holding her and he ends up just like holding not quite her mangled corpse but like almost her mangled corpse yeah instead. basically <laughs> he yeah. dies shortly thereafter yeah uh, and this is his first like real understanding of how fragile humans are compared to him now yeah He's also his introduction to the, uh, oh God, the teen, I wanna, teen. The teen team. I was going to call him the teen yeah. Titans. I'm like, that's not right either. This is, this is the problem with this show is that it gets confusing in like the names of the team. Some of the names, stuff. some of the fucking character and team names are just fucking stupid as shit. Oh yeah, absolutely. Team absolutely. team. And- <laughs> yeah. But this is where we're introduced to, uh, killing Jacobs, Adam, Eve and like, yeah, uh, robot, robot Rexplode. and yeah. duplicate. Yeah, duplicate. Is somebody else in that team at this point? Not at this point. It's just those four. This is those four. Fair yeah. enough. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the the aliens turn out to come from a dimension where time moves slower, <laughs> so it's very much like the War of the Worlds kind of thing. So they yeah. just start like aging rapidly when they get to Earth, and so yeah. they just retreat. Yeah. Get used to what I love, and what I love is that they're introducing the idea of multiple timelines where time moves faster here and there because it does come back later. Mm-hmm. Like later in the run, there's more like, oh wait, you can go to alternate dimensions and time runs different ways and it does things. Like, oh okay. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Well, I mean, they, yeah, they do more with that. Mostly, I mean, with the Flaxons here, but... You know, let's let's just put it this way. There's nearly a Chekhov's gun that happens that is shown in Invincible that is not fired into somebody's cerebellum by the end of the show. <laughs> so, enough. yeah, they'll all get pulled eventually. <laughs> Go read the comic. You'll find out. They do it. He does it all. He does everything. So... Uh, then Mark uh, introduces himself to Adam Eve, who is, I guess kind of the leader of the no i guess robots really robot is leader of the team team but uh she's alpha fucking power level 
superhero kind of thing. She's basically well, she's got, like, she's got, got Captain fire, Adam's power fi- or, or Firestorm, Firestorm power. Yeah. Right, right. You know, she can she has full control over the molecular structure of everything, which is like really ultimate power. Plus, like hard light projection. So she's got some Green Lantern there, too. She is uh, Adam Eve is like massively powerful in the comic, too. Like they, they really play up that yeah, she's maybe the only person on the planet who actually is like equivalent to Mark in terms of like power level and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Cause like the Viltrumites and then her kind of thing. So. Yeah. Uh, so, but he figures out that she in her alternate identity is in the same high school as him. So he introduced himself and they start, I mean, it's basically the start of a love triangle here, but he, yeah. you know, he can relate to the, her because they're both superheroes and powered. And then Cecil, who is the leader of the GDA global defense agency uh, hires Damien Darkblood, basically, well, like a combination character. He's like part, part Hellboy, part Constantine, and part Rorschach. Yeah, he's a little bit of all those things. <laughs> Voiced by Clancy Brown, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, he hires him to look into the murder of the Global Guardians, like to use his magical abilities and shit like that to kind of like divine what happened to them. Yeah. Adam, Eve and Invincible go flying together. She takes him to meet the teen, teen team. Then the these interdimensional interdimensional aliens, the Flaxons, come back. This time, it's been years and years for them, even though it's only been like maybe a day or something like that. Yeah, a couple of days in this world. But they've already they've adapted in the time that's elapsed in their universe to to time running faster in this dimension. Uh, but then Invincible and the team team figure out how they're doing it with some bracelets and stop them again. And this time Omni-Man has recovered from his fight with the Global Guardians and he takes out Mark for some more training. And then an alien named Alan, Alan the alien, voiced by Seth Rogen, comes to attack Earth. Invincible goes off to find it in space and uh, before it reaches the planet. But he figures out that the alien is actually an evaluation officer from the Coalition of Planets. And he's making sure the planet has a protector. Then he figures out he's on the wrong fucking planet. Yeah. Really it's supposed to be on Uras. So good. Not so Ura. great. So great. I, I love like, it. Oh, fuck. I fucked up. Bye. <laughs> and like, I was really concerned because Alan is, he's kind of the ensemble dark horse of Invincible. Like, like he's the character that people just like, oh, yeah, Alan the Alien's the best. So when they cast Seth Rogen, I was like, mm. well, he's one of the producers of the show, isn't he? He is only because he's producing the movie. Um, he doesn't have any like day to day say on like the creative direction of the show. Oh, okay. I've already Robert Kirkman was on Batman on Batman because he's super tight with Kev and they were chatting about this already. And he was like, yeah, he's on there because like he's producing the movie and he wanted to be involved. And like, we like his ideas and he's got, he was the right voice for Alan. And I actually agree. I, Cause at first I was like, oh shit, that's probably going to be the one that I'm going to create against. <laughs> nope, not at all. He was fucking perfect. Like I was super happy with him as Alan. So there Cecil, you go. On the other hand, uh, he, uh, <laughs> he, I warmed up to him by the end. Goggins. Yeah. We'll mm. talk about him later. Mark's bully comes back to him and apologizes to him, asks asks him out on Amber's behalf. Such like Flash Thompson shit from like the 60s <laughs> Spider-Man comic. Like, yeah. I love it so much. And then for the third time in the same episode, the fucking Flaxons come back again. This time, Omni-Man follows them into their dimension and without anybody's knowledge, commits absolute fucking genocide, yep. killing every last one of them, decimating the planet. Uh, which we will find out is uh, just, you know, an afternoon, basically, for Viltrumites. Yeah, exactly. Because just, just, just Tuesday for Viltrumites. They are. When, when you find out how awful these guys are, you're going to be quite <laughs> impressed by how fucking awful these guys are. It's 
Oh, I love it. I love it so much. It's so good. <laughs> and and after now we finally get to the announcement, like the public announcement that the Guardians of the Globe have died. We see their funeral. Omni Man gives a big fucking fake speech and pretends to be sad. Mark really is sad. He calls Amber and they start talking and you know their sort of relationship starts. Uh, and then Eve catches Rexplode, who is her love interest uh, boyfriend, cheating on her with multiple copies of Duplicate in yeah. the shower. Because that's exactly how that would fucking go. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It's already been done in X-Force. You know what yeah. I mean? Multiple men has done this before. So, yeah. like, it's happened. Yeah. Then again, this is all stuff that's like 100% of this is straight out of the comic. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like you, can, like, you can tell so much of this is Kirkman's writing. Yeah. And like, I, I fucking love it. I just, I love Kirkman's like superhero writing. I think he's like the best. He's maybe like one of the best superhero writers going right now. Or at least so. one of the best satirists of. Or, uh, sure. You know. Yeah. If you want to call it that. Like, I mean, you know what it's the kind hard. of I like, it's, though. It's, it, 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 Walks a line. It walks for a sure. line. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because it is like it is in some ways a straight-ahead superhero story, and then in some ways it is it's taking the piss out of all of this stuff. But like, that's the stuff I've always liked. That's why I'm like a Warren Ellis guy, I guess. At this point, still, that's a weird thing to say because of everything that's going on. But either way, but like, yeah, Kirkman does the same kind of stuff where it's just like, yeah, I, I have some fondness for these this stuff, but it is silly, and so we're just gonna play with it a little bit. So. Well, exactly. It's it's like a su- whole superhero story told entirely through trope fuckery. Yeah, basically. Like yeah. true fucking kind of thing. And it's very satisfying as a result of that for some strange <laughs> reason. Because so. he's always twisting it a little bit. You know what I mean? Like he's just yeah. really good at just twisting it enough that you're like, ooh, that's a good take on that. I like that. It's yeah. different. So. Uh, so Cecil asks Robot to start auditioning new members for a new Global Guardians team. We got a big, like, Guardians of the Globe. Montage. We got to get it right. <laughs> Sorry. What are you, Global yeah. Guardians. Guardians. Guardians of the Globe. That's Yeah, Guardians of the Globe. That's it fun. doesn't flow it's, off the it's tongue. It's such a terrible name. Well, yeah, but it's not it's supposed to be because you're, you're never really following them. It's never like yeah. Justice League. But also, like, think about peripheral. What kind of justice is the Justice League? Like, what does that tell you when you hear Justice League? It sounds like a bunch of lawyers. <laughs> you know what I mean? And even Avengers is a terrible name for a team because, like, what are they avenging? <laughs> Nothing. You know what I mean? So, like, Global Guardians actually is better in terms of it just like coming off your like coming out of your mouth. Well, better, Glo- Global like, Guardians is an actual DC team. I was going to say, is it, is it not a DC team? I'm yeah, sure it it's, is. It's that DC team that has like a bunch of the international heroes, like Jack-O-Lantern and Crimson Fox and shit like that. We're all in the Global Guardians. Bunch of fucking like D-Lo's characters. Yeah. If those guys showed up in Invincible, they'd be pulp in 15 minutes, <laughs> basically what you're trying to tell me. So yeah, Mark, Mark's having his study date with Amber and uh, Cecil interrupts it because Doc Seismic is attacking Mount Rushmore. So he and Adam Eve go there to take him on superhero battle whatever uh mark gets uh we apparently he's dead but we find out later on that he's not uh doc seismic is not dead oh yeah yeah, yeah. doc seismic yeah yeah he comes back later yeah yeah mark go, goes back to his study date and then he and amber hook up robot helps the mauler twins escape from prison one of them ends up dying in the attempt uh but will later be recloned again this whole time damien darkblood is like continuing his investigation clearly suspects that omni man had something to do with the death of the guardians of the globe i wrote i definitely wrote down global guardians again there you go yeah <laughs> uh the surviving mauler twin clones himself Mark and Amber go on a date to a night market. Mark goes on a mission for the GDA to accompany some astronauts on a mission to Mars. Promptly lets the astronauts get kidnapped by Martians. Yeah, he's not good at this at all yet. As soon as he fucking gets there, like falls asleep, and then the, these astronauts get kidnapped by Martians. Omni Man takes his uh, wife Debbie on a date to Italy, where they like first fell in love. Nolan 
that's Omni Man recklessly lets a dragon just attack the city while allowing the the GDA to fight it instead of him actually fucking doing anything because we're rap. I mean, we already know by this point he's a piece of shit. Mark finds these Martians who capture the astronauts to protect them from these Starro type parasites that are loose on Mars. Yeah, the sequence. They will play yeah. a big role later on. Everything will play a big role later well, I mean, on. there's all those all those teasers at the end of the yeah. season that make yeah. it clear what sort of the next story arcs are going to be. Uh, they pro- but they plan to protect the humans by killing them so that they can't be possessed by these sequids or whatever they're called. Yep. The, ast- the Mark rescues the astronauts instead of letting the Martians kill them, helps them get off the planet. On the way back, we find out that one of the humans was replaced by a Martian, and that actual astronaut has been possessed by one of these parasites, which is really bad, and we'll definitely see more of that later. Yes, we will. Cecil sends Damien Darkblood back to hell because he's getting too close to the truth about Omni-Man killing the Guardians because <laughs> Cecil wants to keep it a secret until he can figure out like why Omni-Man did it and shit. I love it. In the comic, he comes back like four issues after the the end of the season, basically, and tells Cecil, like, oh, I figured out who killed the Guardians. And he's like, no shit. Omni-Man knocked the half the fucking planet down, you idiot. Get out of here. We saw it on TV. Yeah, like, we know what happened. Fuck off, you fucking moron. Like, they have one of those interactions. Whereas here, they actually, like, let him... He gets closer to actually solving the crime in time properly than yeah. in the comic where they let it like he I guess he just forgot about it and like made a joke about it afterwards <laughs> while he was writing the book, which I was like, if you're going to do it, at least do it that way. You know, like yeah. good for you. Put, so. Hang a lampshade on it. Yeah, exactly. So then we go back to uh, Titan, this Luke Cage character who's taking out a bunch of gangsters, another fucking total massacre. He throws a gun through a dude's skull. <laughs> a bunch of them are like killed by bullets that have ricocheted off of Titan. Mark is like trying to juggle his personal life and his superhero training and battles and responsibilities as invincible. It's causing problems in his relationship with Amber and uh, at his job at a burger place too. Uh, now we find out that Titan is working for machine head. Who's this fucking obnoxious villain with an auto tuned voice. Uh, who's blackmailing Titan with his daughter. Debbie finds dark blood's notepad which appears to be the Necronomicon. Like it looks like it's made out of like a human face. <laughs> it looks like the, and actually it's like the, if you have the, I think it's the DVD of evil dead. It comes in that weird polythyrene yeah, yeah, yeah. book of the dead thing. Yeah. It looks just like he was I had like a friend that has that. that copy. Yeah. I have, I have it. Well, I did anyway. I don't know where it is now. A lot of my <laughs> DVDs have disappeared over the years because yeah. who uses them? <laughs> yeah. So she reads that and starts to suspect that her husband, Omni man killed the guardians of the globe. Titan asks Invincible for help to take out Machine Head because Machine Head like runs the organized crime in the city. Black Samson, who is one of the new Guardians of the Globe, lays a guilt trip on the rest of the new members, uh, saying that like they've been sloppy and let people die that they could have saved and shit. Yeah, this is poorly explained, but Black Samson is a former member of the the Guardians. Who oh, okay, who comes back? Powers. Yeah, he lost his powers and then comes back because they were all killed, kind of thing. Oh, okay. Like he he's a four he's a he was a member of the original team, yeah. Lost his powers and then comes back in that power suit and whatever. Like he gets repowered, obviously. In okay. this, I think, right? Like he he wakes up and he's got his powers back. I think. Yeah. Does he when he when he? I, I don't know. That's how it happened in the comic. I'm pretty sure when he wakes up here, he's been like re empowered. Like the, the oh, okay. coma. Yeah, that's right. The coma. He wakes up. He's like, oh, I got my powers back because of the coma. Yeah, yeah. 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 
Yeah. So yeah. Okay. But yeah, he was a he's not just some like new guy. He was actually like a, a former member of the Guardians. They explain it all in the comic. That makes more, more sense than like why he's the one that sort of feels yeah. he's responsible and is trying to whip them into shape or whatever. Yeah, they explain it way better in the comic. I don't know why they they seem to have glossed over it in this in the show because I was like like I knew who he was because I've read the book four hundred times. But I was mm-hmm. like he's screaming at them. And I'm like, well, they haven't really told us who Black Samson really is yet. So like. Yeah. Maybe do that before you have him freaking out on everybody. And he seems like a malignant dickhead, but like, <laughs> all right, whatever. Yeah. So then Debbie finds Omni-Man's bloody costume that he killed the Guardians of the Globe in because she like sends him on some international errands knowing how long they'll take. Yeah. Uh, Titan and Invincible try to surprise Machine Head, but Machine Head like is 18 steps ahead of them and has been expecting them and has hired a uh, backup that totally fucking wreck invincible yeah we're introduced way earlier to oh god michael dorn's character battle beast uh, battle beast battle beast is a like late stage comic book like buddy almost like he kind of helps he's he's one of those characters right like he kind of he pops in because of his power level but he's like we shouldn't have met him yet basically in the book because he's way outside the power spectrum of everybody he's like full-on viltrumite powered kind of mm-hmm. guy i mean so, yeah here he, he obviously like he just ruins he fucking everybody. caves in invincible's chest yeah like, damn near killing him and they pulps fucking black samson like he just rips yeah him, like rips him to pieces it's yeah. disgusting and it so. just like caves in monster girl's fucking skull yeah so uh the yeah the, the global guardians sorry guardians of the globe show up <laughs> Uh, they eventually defeat the hired villains, but they definitely make you think that some of them are full on dead at the end. Cause like monster girls, like entire fucking skull is exposed and I'm still yeah. sketchy on how she survived that, but I guess magic or whatever magic. Oh, yeah. it's always magic in this kind of thing, yeah. especially in that kind of case where she is cursed. She's cursed. And stuff. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Monster girl uh, has a curse where every time she turns into a monster, she gets younger. So she's yeah. actually like 25, but she looks like she's like 12 and will continue to get younger every time that she uses her powers. Yeah. Ultimately, we find out that uh, Titan is totally following Luke Cage's arc because he was manipulating everything so he could take Machine Head's place as the city's crime boss. To be fair, did it in the comic before Luke Cage did it. So there's that. Actually, maybe not. Luke Cage may have done that in the comic at some point. So, you know what? Never mind. I've read everything (laughs) he's ever been in, but yeah. Uh, yeah, very, very reminiscent of the the way he ended up on Netflix. Eh? Like he just, just, <laughs> just he has to take over. So there you go. Yeah. The GDA's doctors are like the fucking busiest doctors in the world because they're always uh-huh. patching somebody up. They're they're trying to save Invincible, Monster Girl and Black Samson from this fight. Mark tries eventually does heal, tries to patch up his relationship with Amber because he disappeared for like a week while I was healing. He's yeah. in like a coma. Uh, then they go on a road trip with his best friend, William. Yep, William. Uh, to hang out with uh, William's boyfriend at the college campus where conveniently this uh, mad scientist, D.A. Sinclair, voiced by Ezra Miller, yeah. is experimenting on college kids, including one voiced by Justin Roiland from Rick and Morty. Yep. Uh, and he's like turning them into these hideous fucking cyborgs. Reanimen. Okay. Yeah, so it's just the names from the comics. Like they'll, yeah. I know what they are, so I will <laughs> say them out loud. It's Reanimen uh, is what they'll be calling them for the run of the show. So okay, yeah. Uh, one of these cyborgs attacks the campus. Invisible, invincible, fights <laughs> it, and William figures out that Mark is invincible. Uh, then the cyborg does the whole like oh, I'm a monster thing, except he doesn't actually say it because Sinclair took his fucking vocal cords out, and yeah. uh, it, it kills itself by impaling itself on a statue or some shit. Yep. Robot is 
during all this, we're seeing like robot trying to help heal monster girl. He's got this weird fucking obsession with her and he's, he's goes to like great lengths to help her heal. Uh, Debbie takes the bloody costume to art Rosenbaum to examine. And they determine that Omni man, basically he struck first. He murdered the guardians of the globe. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately Omni man is spying on them and, and here's this whole thing. The Mahler twins are cloning something for Robot. We don't know what just yet. Amber's mad at Mark for like ditching them uh, when that cyborg attacked. And then Rick, William's boyfriend, gets abducted by Sinclair. Mark follows Amber to a frat party. Uh, and then William also gets abducted by Sinclair. Just everybody abducted by Sinclair. Uh, Invincible follows them into the sewers, fights a bunch of these cyborgs, reanimen, whatever, finds William and Rick, who's been turned into one of the cyborgs. And then Invincible, like they, they fight and they do the whole like, it's me. It's you, you're Rick, not a monster or whatever. And Rick like comes to his senses and helps to defeat the other reanimen. And then Invincible just fucking shatters Sinclair's jaw. It's just like hanging loose. Yep. Fantastic. <laughs> just like right out of comic, exactly the way it's supposed to go. Yeah. Uh, it's only going to get worse from here, boys. <laughs> I don't know what to, tell you. This is, to me, this is all just set up. You know what I mean? Like you're like, oh, this is this supposed to be a plot point? I'm like, no, no, no. This is a plot point. Like the fact that, 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 that his whole shtick is tropey has absolutely nothing to do with what they end up using that character to do eventually. Like he, he plays a role in a bigger thing that you're by the end you're like oh yeah i don't even care about his origin anymore like <laughs> they used him properly basically you know what i mean yeah. so the, then the gda comes in and cleans up after this whole fucking cyborg mess uh debbie confronts nolan about killing the i keep fucking writing global guardians guardians of the globe and kicks him out of the I mean, house he's gotta get you to like not read dc for like 12 <laughs> calendar months you know what i mean like just no dc for a year just guardians, get it out of global your brain. guardians haven't been used in fucking decades at this point so it's just ingrained into my head i was just gonna say like you're fucking brainwashed by dc comics <laughs> <laughs> uh during all of this adam eve has pieced the fuck out and is living as like a hermit out in the woods helping these like random people that ask her for help kind of thing she's just sick of being part of a team and everything just wants to work on her own sick of her fucking parents too who are assholes yeah she's like 100 percent mary jane watson <laughs> just like <laughs> with way better powers, powers than yeah. mary jane ends up with eventually and then not with uh, anymore and it's confusing spider-man <laughs> spider-man anyway Mark reveals to Amber that he's invincible, but she's figured it out fucking ages ago, and she's pretty pissed that he didn't trust her. Global Guardians have a welcome home party for Monster Girl now that she's rec- fully recovered for injuries. And I just want to point out that Rex Blode dumps a bunch of milk down the sink and instead puts fucking beer in the milk cartons that all have Monster Girl's picture on them. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious and weird all at the same time. That casting's so good. I, he was one of my problems with the show, actually. Really? He's a, little, he's a little like I love Jason Manzukas, but he's very like he's so intense. Oh, he's he's I think he's perfect chaotic energy for that character. At least how the character's written in the show. He grew on me a little bit, but I thought he was a little bit over the top when I first he's started always. like watching. I mean, no, obviously <laughs> Jason Manzukas is always over the top, but I thought he was over the top for that role. I didn't think he needed to be that obnoxious hmm. at that level. Like Jason Manzukas, when he's going for it, is just like an 11 on a scale of like (laughs) one to five in terms of annoying this, you know what I mean? But like, he's great. I love him. But like, I I just thought he was a little bit too much for it, but he's growing on me (laughs) kind of. 
Uh, so Robot is at the same time attending the party, but also sends one of his drone bodies to visit the Mahler twins where he finds out that where we find out he's not actually a robot at all. He's like this little deformed mutant body that's been living in a tube who mind controls the robot drones. And what the Mahler twins have actually been growing for him is a new, young, healthy body. They copy the real robot, this little mutant guy's mind into the new healthy body, which we're going to call Rudy. Uh, And then they let the little mutant dude die. But Rudy can still control the robot drones, including this giant kaiju drone that was disguised as a truck. It's a transformer, basically. Yeah. should also be noted that uh, the body that Rex or that robot cloned for himself is a young Rex. So things get really fucking weird eventually. We do find that out quite soon. Yeah. (laughs) Omni-Man goes home looking for his family, but they're all fucking out of there. There's a bunch of cloaked GDA agents there, though, who Omni-Man massacres. Yep. And then finds out that the GDA has been surveilling him from across the street. The GDA triggers a nuke in that surveillance house, but it doesn't actually kill Omni-Man. It just kills Cecil's little bitch boy. Oh, Dennis. Dennis the robot. He'll be back, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, Is is that guy a robot? Uh, He will be. Okay. Because there's not much left of him after that. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, there's there's a line in the comic where he's talking to somebody later, and he's like, yeah, I'm 2% human at this point. And I'm like, yeah, I guess after getting blown up like that, you would be about 2% human. They don't show it in the com- like in the comic what happened to him, but I'll take this as like how he becomes 2% human, basically, if mm-hmm. they're going to do Robot Dennis. So. Uh, Mark is still oblivious to all this because his, bro- his phone got broken during that fight with the Reanimator. Reanimator, yeah. And now he goes to Adam Eve to talk about how he's, ha- who's living out in the wilderness to have talk about how he's having a hard time dealing with all the shit that's been going down. Rudy goes back to the Global Guardians. This is where we find out that one, that Robot was always a drone and that Rexplode fucking freaks the fuck out because he cloned this new body for him from a sample of Rexplode's DNA. Yeah, which we watched him do. Like he, they did it on show. Like he yeah. actually talks to him and pokes him and stuff and we see yeah. it happen. So and, and we find out that he did it because like Monster Girl showed some affinity and interest in Rexplode. And that's mm-hmm. pretty fucked up. Well, we kind of skipped there. The, the two of them, like introducing Monster Girl, is basically like them introducing the new Guardians of the Globe, and because she's a twelve-year-old girl, Rex makes fun of her, and mm-hmm. she snaps, turns into a monster self, and beats the shit of Rex. Basically, makes it so he's pissed in blood for a week uh, <laughs> until Invincible steps in and stops her. Although Invincible, like his dad, never officially joins the Guardians. At that point, I don't think he ever does. I don't think he ever is actually. No, on the- uh, Mark wasn't part of the. No, I know that's what I mean. He never, he never does. He never joins. Uh, like yeah. in, even in the comic, by the end of it, he's never a member of like. It's like saying Superman was never in the Justice League because Omni Man says too. Like he worked with them, but he was never like a member member. So right, right, right. Uh, yeah, he he keeps his distance too, which I always think is interesting. Like he always kind of operates outside of it. Whereas like most of the time, if you have that Superman character, he's the leader of the team. Yeah. Whereas this time they kind of make, I guess it's immortal. I mean, I mean it's robot in this immortal, iteration yeah. but like the immortal was kind of the the leader in the original he's more like almost like vandal savage if he has superman's yeah. powers or something like that i don't know anyway uh so the the gda then attacks omni-man using a satellite doesn't really do anything but piss omni-man off and give him a nosebleed yep uh cecil confronts omni-man face to face they have a standoff but cecil has like teleportation tech so omni-man can't catch him he fucking almost does though uh, that see that that's the scene where Walter Goggins got me. I was like, oh, I, f- I finally understand why they cast him in this role because he like he sounds 
like he's doing it because he knows he has to and he's kind of scared even yeah. at, all at the same time and i was like oh he got that across he was, in his he voice. was all right he was all right in that scene at first i was like because the first couple episodes i was like mm. now i think we talked about it chat and stuff where i was like mm, not super feeling his voice but like everybody else pretty much by the end i was like i'm not like 100 percent happy with it like i think they could have done better but i will accept walter goggins going forward because i do like walter goggins quite a bit so yeah he's usually pretty good so yeah anyway yeah. Cecil then attacks Omni-Man with a bunch of these uh, Sinclair's Reanimen that he's made. This time they're made from dead soldiers, but all they basically do is slow him down. Cecil then throws basically a giant kaiju at Omni-Man, which is something that Omni-Man's fought before, but now it's all like amped up on drugs and shit. Yeah. Mark meets up with his dad, still not knowing at this point that his dad's a murderer, and they try and fight this giant kaiju monster together. The Mahler twins fix the immortal. I guess the GDA had been trying to, but couldn't successfully get them put back together again. But the Mahler twins, because they're like cloning experts, are able to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they try to control them with this inhibition collar that Robot had given them the plans for as like payment for making them the body for. But it doesn't fucking work because, <laughs> of course, Robot gives them plans that don't fucking work. Yeah. And then the immortal flies off to confront Omni-Man because he remembers everything. So the Immortal and Omni-Man fight. Omni-Man just straight up kills him again after like two minutes, putting a fist fully fucking through the Immortal's chest this time. Yep. And then after that, if that wasn't enough, fully fucking bisects him, tears him in half. Yep. Except this time it's on camera and the whole fucking world watches Omni-Man do it. Yep. That's uh, that very anime-esque shot of like the opening of episode eight where like it rains blood and then like the guts hit. I was like, oh, God. (laughs) Oh my god! I wonder if that if that episode happened the same week as uh, John Walker, fucking caving in the skull of one of the flag smashers. It would have been around the same like week. It would have been within a week, I think. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, because they ended like I think this ended the week we did the episode about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, because I mean both so. of those scenes are you know thematically virtually identical, right? They're like yeah. somebody that the world thought was a hero publicly showing that he's a piece of fucking garbage. Yeah. In the meantime, Mark has actually defeated the kaiju, but then he also sees his dad kill the immortal. Then Mark attacks his dad, assuming that he's being controlled. But Omni-Man's like, nope, this is me, buddy. Yeah. And then he tells him the real, like, yeah, the whole truth, which is basically that Omni-Man is thousands of years old. He's from this fascistic world that basically killed everyone that they considered weak. It's all fucking eugenics. And then after that, they committed fucking thousands of genocides while subjugating thousands or tens of thousands of worlds and civilizations yeah to build this viltramite empire Uh, now he's been tasked with coming to earth to like weaken it to prepare it for viltramite invasion and you know we find out here that he's basically sees humans as like insignificant ants doesn't give a shit about their lives or anything like that and mark feels super betrayed realizes dad's a total fucking monster and then they have a big fight omni man kills some gdet pilots in front of mark and then punches mark like through the city of chicago yeah like the whole yep. city <laughs> yeah yeah he ruined chicago basically yep. <laughs> like nobody gets to go to chicago anymore it's gone mark's like flying body kills hundreds of people in the process and also like causes an apartment building to collapse while he's trying to save a couple of the residents. One yeah. of them, he's like, you know, holding onto his arm in true superhero fashion. Then he just ends up holding this woman's like flayed, her arm. shredded yeah. arm. Yeah. He was trying to save at the end. And after, if that fucking wasn't enough, then Omni-Man 
takes Mark down into the subway and holds Mark up in front of a subway train that is like barreling towards it and just slaughters dozens of people like going like hundreds, Mark's hundreds, body going hundreds through of people. Them, like wet tissue paper using yep. Mark's body and also then derails the fucking train. Yep. Omni-Man continues to beat the shit out of Invincible, takes him to a mountain in a scene that's already become a meme, uh, beating his face into a fucking bloody pulp. Then he like has this tender moment where he flashes back to Mark at a baseball game as a kid and he stops short of like fully killing him, uh, which at this point probably would have been a fucking act of mercy then flies off into space. We don't know where. Well, some of us do, but like, <laughs> well, yeah, we, the audience of this show does not know yeah, where the audience of this show is not. Well, some of the audience <laughs> of the show is not aware of it. Then, then, then we're basically left with the follow the, the guardians of the globe are cleaning shit up after invincible and Omni man's fight. The GDA fucking heel mark up again. Mark and Amber make up. Debbie goes and talks to art about Nolan turning out to be a total fucking piece of shit. And then we basically get a bunch of teasers for what's going to happen in the next seasons of the show. Alan the alien comes back trying to warn Mark way too late that there's a Viltrumite on yep. their planet. Yep. <laughs> yep. Right out of the comic. Uh, one of my favorite, like the fact that they did that scene, like note for note in the animated series, I was like, I'm so happy that this exists for me to watch. Cause like <laughs> it's right out of the comic. It was so good. Alan tells Mark that there's like this coalition of alien races that's trying to fight back against the Viltrumite empire. Uh, and also warns him that the Viltrumites will probably come back to Earth. They, you know, are not, won't take this line down kind of thing. And yeah. then we just get a bunch of teasers for the next season. Shit like Doc Seismic being underground with a bunch of lava creatures and those sequids on Mars having like taken over and killed all the Martians and shit like that. And a few others kind of thing. That's pretty much it. Yep. Yeah. So that was, uh, that's season one of Invincible. So what did you, I mean, do you want to start with gripes or do you want to start with what you like? Because like I can, I'm going to blow this show like crazy. There's not a lot. I don't have a lot to complain about. So why don't we just like get your bitchiness out get of the, the way? Bitchiness out of the way. Yeah, well, I only have a couple of things in there, and they are relatively minor. In terms of the animation, it is mostly great. Occasionally, they they use like 3D renderings of people as like background filler. Yep. Presumably because it's cheaper than hand animating those background characters. And that to me, like took me out of it a couple of times. Like it was kind of jarring and distracting to see like basically like NPCs in the background kind of thing. Whereas yeah. the foreground characters are, are fully 2d animated. Yeah. Um, I especially notice it when Mark and Amber are on that date in the night market. It really was kind of jarring to me. Yeah. It's a little like some problems were like, yeah, some of the, the CGI animation wasn't, uh, as seamless as I would have liked it to be because I don't mind that stuff being in there like uh, trust me I'm doing animation on the side now and yeah fucking give me a goddamn 3D model to, to work with you know oh, yeah, absolutely like, I mean there are times that they use the 3D models to great effect yeah. and to add some dimensionality to a scene and shit like that and they use yeah. it really well but it's just that those situations oh, where, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get it I yeah. understand 100% because uh, I had the same problem like Vania has the same problem where it's like the because the foreground art is so hyper detailed like yeah, yeah doing fill-ins on your background would I'm like that must be exhausting but yeah you're gonna find cgi ways to kind of trick and it it's, basically and it's not so. even the character models themselves which are kind of like i guess they're yeah, associated it's yeah. it, it's well it's just the way that they move is so like robotic and stiff well, it's, and like yeah that, it's but, all procedural kind of yeah, stuff exactly. right like they're not like like hand tweaking the the walk cycles for the people they're just using whatever is in unreal engine or whatever Exactly. They're just taking a wireframe and, and pumping a like standard loop, yeah. you know, loop of yeah. animation onto it kind of thing. And it's clear. Yep. 
one, the other thing, and this is might be due to COVID, but it's pretty clear that most of the voiceover work was done independently. Oh, yeah. That, that nobody was in the room together when they were doing this shit, which I always prefer. It doesn't have to be 100%, but like especially where there are scenes with a lot of back and forth between the characters, like especially some of the back and forth between say Mark and Nolan or Mark and Amber or that sort of thing. There's some unnaturalness there, some stiltedness there. So I felt like it was like, like Mark and Nolan, I felt like they at least were on a zoom call together. Like they could see each other. Cause it felt like yeah, they were kind of yeah. reacting, but like, yeah, there was stuff where like him and Gillian Jake or him and Adam Eve were talking and I'm like, I'm not, it doesn't feel like they're having a conversation. It feels like they're reading a script and like, it's been cut together. Yeah. Which yeah. is too bad because like, and we'll talk about it probably more as the show goes on, but like, I love Adam Eve and like their relationship is like my favorite superhero romance. It's just works for me a hundred percent. It's like the Spider-Man romances that they actually worked. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it, it, I love those characters together. Well, and hopefully that's something that maybe in the next seasons they'll be able to record yeah. in person because COVID won't be a thing, you know, it's especially for the real, those really key scenes. Yeah. And especially with these actors who are obviously like real act, they're not voice actors, particularly, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, Steven Yen doesn't do voice. Like he's an actor, like he's in walking dead and yeah. Gillian Jacobs yeah. from like community. She does live action stuff. Obviously JK Simmons is a magnificent screen presence and has been for decades. So like, I guess it, it's probably different, like doing that kind of work, like doing voice work when you're used to doing like the in-person kind of work. So yeah, I think I agree. I think they should definitely like, try harder to get them at the very least face to face like even if it's on screen while they're doing the dialogue so there's some interaction mm-hmm. between them because there does there, yeah there's definitely a couple spots where it's like oh yeah they recorded that on an iphone because they were like trying to do fill in and they didn't want to get anybody covid you know so yeah, yeah. that's and, and, and you know I, that's fair and and obviously we talked a little bit about how Falcon and the Winter Soldier had to deal with that as well every production that has been filming during the pandemic is going to have some level if they don't have some level of jank because of, you know, the concessions that they had to make while filming the pan- pandemic, then they were very smart production wise kind of thing. either that or probably yeah. super irresponsible about it. Right? Yeah. That, yeah. That's the other. Yeah. So it's hard to say. So, and then, and then the only other thing, you know, I said, we, we talked about Walter Goggins. Like I, he was the only voice cast that I wasn't really totally sold on. And he never, I never really warmed up to him too much by the end of the season. It was mainly just that his voice didn't really match the character design for me. Yeah. That's uh, the kind of my main problem with it at first too. Uh, I kind of warm up just because it's Walter Goggins, voice. And like, I watched him on justified and stuff. And he's really good. I like, I'm a big fan of his. I like, I kind of warmed up to it eventually. I, I just felt like if they flipped him and Mark Hamill, I would have been a lot happier for some reason. <laughs> I feel like Mark Hamill doing gruff yeah, Cecil would have yeah. been a little bit better for, for whatever reason, just because I think that. And then it also means that like, Mark Hamill will be on your voice cast for like the remainder of the show, which is never a bad thing. I don't think, you know what I mean? Like having that level of ta- voice talent. I imagine around. Mark Hamill comes with a higher price tag than Walter Goggins does though. And so they maybe couldn't, uh, Do you couldn't think afford so? maybe, I, I guess, mean, yeah. considering what, how, what an accomplished voice actor yeah, Mark Hamill is. So I don't know, maybe, maybe they just couldn't afford uh, in the budget to have Mark Hamill in a lead role, maybe, maybe not a lead role, but like a recurring role rather than like a, well, what's essentially kind of a cameo role. Cecil, uh, actually, I wouldn't, I would, I would have cast him at that point then because Cecil is basically like a lead character for this. Like, he's a main character in Invincible going forward, like yeah. from this point on, uh, because he's basically Mark's boss for like the rest of the show. Well, because on Prime, they have those x ray things kind mm-hmm. of thing where you can mouse over the screen or whatever and see some 
facts about the scene or the actors that are in or stuff like that, which I actually really like. Yeah. But one of the things that I saw there was that in the comic, Mark doesn't actually meet Cecil until basically the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't meet him until after Omni-Man turns. So, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Uh, Like I said, I kind of I grew on it based on it. Like I like his voice. It never clicks with me in terms of like the character model. Like I'll agree with that 100 percent. Like he doesn't look he doesn't sound old enough yet. I guess. Yeah, to, I mean, he's a little gruff, but like, I can yeah. really more use something. Something yeah. that's more like gravelly. Like, give me, give me fucking uh, what's his name from Clancy Brown. Well, <laughs> Clancy Brown, or give me fucking uh, dude from Deadwood or and uh, American Gods. Oh, Shane. Shane oh, Ian yeah, McShane. Ian McShane. Yeah, yeah. give me See, somebody like that to do fucking like Cecil's voice. Yeah. See, actually, I was thinking Walter Goggins was unjustified with Timothy Oliphant, and I actually think Timothy Oliphant now would have done that role better. Like, if he's going to be like an American yeah. with like a little bit of like a uh, like shady kind of side to him, I think you don't want to play him because I don't think you want to play Cecil straight as a villain because he's not necessarily. He's kind of a, a very great character. Yeah. So, like, that's why I kind of like Walter Goggins' casting, even if I don't particularly think his performance is a hundred percent what it needs to be for this. He's, he's old Nick Fury, basically. Yeah, yeah, he's old Nick Fury, right? So I'm almost like, get Hasselhoff to do it or something like that. No, don't get <laughs> no, Hasselhoff don't, to don't do it. Please don't do that. I'm just, that's a joke. <laughs> don't do that. I'll be very angry. No, leave Walter Goggins where he is. I'm happy with that for now. And again, like I had a problem with Jason Manzu because I was like, he's way too like comedy energy level high for me uh, in that role. Because like you're going to hate Rex a lot. Like a lot, a lot, and like having him be Jason Manzuka's like hyper annoying voice. I was like, mm, all right, that's a little much. <laughs> but I mean, like, I love Jason Manzuka's, and you do. I end up liking the Rex character. Like he, he ends up having a fairly like noble run. For in, me, it totally book. fits. Like it but, just in terms of having a character named Rex Blode. Like if yeah. you asked me who you should care cast as a character named Rex Blode, like Jason Manzuka's would be at the top of that fucking list for me. And like honestly, like the, when they cast him, I was like, "That's perfect." And then I heard it, and I was kind of like, "Ah, it's a little bit more over the top than I would have wanted." But like, it's I still think it's really good casting. It's just mm-hmm. one of those like I think he maybe overdid it a little bit, but mm-hmm. you know, that's just me. I get at this point, like some of the yeah, because of the COVID stuff, some of the the performances felt a little languid. Whereas maybe he just like, he's so fucking energetic or something <laughs> like that. It, it was too much for me. But either way, yeah, I don't think I have anything else in like in there to gripe no, about. Those are my main main ones. It was just, yeah, like I had the animation too, where like sometimes it's it's a little janky here and there. Like you can tell where they were cutting budget in earlier episodes so that they could like blow out the fucking end fights. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yeah, there's a couple scenes in the first episode where it's just like a couple talking heads with some like lip open and close kind of thing. But like the reason for that is because he you're gonna massacre you need eight humans at the end of it so like spend your pencil miles wisely i guess which totally makes sense to me because like i jesus i can't even imagine how much work it was to animate that closing fucking sequence like that last fight with the guardians and stuff in mm-hmm. episode one or even the fight between mark and omni-man in the last one where it's just like they're bouncing oh, yeah. around the whole globe and shit like goddamn, easier than filming it obviously to draw it but it's still like somebody's got to fucking draw all that stuff and these people are doing god's work so <laughs> yeah, i don't know for sure so yeah, like let's let's give this a quick like you know sloppy blowjob because I think it <laughs> definitely uh, earned it. It's like just just so well done. I think the first thing that that deserves our our fellatio is just the absolutely stellar fucking voice cast overall. Oh my god, I just want to say J.K. Simmons, J.K. Simmons, J.K. Fantastic, Simmons. so fucking good. Like I, Omni Man's a very complicated character, and we're gonna go back to Omni Man a lot as the show goes on, and like. 
I am so happy as J.K. Simmons doing that. Because like at first I thought he was like too much casting for it. And I'm like, nope, he is the heart and soul of the show. <laughs> wow, he was just so good. Yeah, he played a, played a pretty nuanced. He definitely put on the act when he needed to as, mm-hmm. you know, the as the big hero kind of thing. But then when he really shows his true colors, you can hear the fucking tonal shift in his voice and everything. Yeah, too. That, the whiplash uh, J.K. Simmons comes out like the sociopath J.K. Simmons. Yeah comes out real nice and it's like oh yeah you can hear it in his voice yeah. he's just talented talented man steven, steven Yeun, great great fucking fantastic. job yeah as, as mark invincible he's so so earnest and so honest uh he I, he's definitely a bit old to be playing like a teenage superhero but yes that's it's animation just fucking happens all the time right mm-hmm. you always get them casting like i mean i think steven Yoon's probably got to be in his fucking 30s and they're like let's get him to He's 35, I think, when I yeah. looked him up. So, I mean, like, so is Gilly And, like, Gillian Jacobs also is our age. 30s, and it's, yeah. like, yeah. I think she's 80, an 81 baby as well. I think she's, oh, like, yeah. our age. Playing a fucking high school girl. So they got her playing a high school kid. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the <laughs> thing. Like, these Zazzy Beats, too. Same. Zazzy Beats also. She was, uh, yeah, she was really good. By the end of the show, like, some of these characters are a couple hundred years old. So, like, <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this, this is, this is going to span some time. So, like. Yeah. Not to spoil too, too much, but read the comic is basically what I'm trying to tell you. So you don't get spoiled. <laughs> Just read it because otherwise. Well, that's what I did with Walking Dead, right? Like I watched the first couple of seasons and I was like, man, I want to know more about this story and I don't want to wait till the next season. So I started reading the, the comics to get ahead and shit. I'm hoping a lot of people did because I think Kirk, I mean, not that Kirkman needs the fucking money. Like he's the richest man like any of us have will ever get the chance to meet because yeah, he's easily one of cons. the richest fucking comic book creators oh my god right now, yeah right? like, like he's still, he actually owns all these characters and, yeah. and gets so gets a lot of the money in terms of the licensing and everything I mean, could you imagine having that walking dead nut at this point like mm-hmm. just retire you know what i mean like what the fuck are you doing mm-hmm. i mean you actually want to keep busy and stuff because like who wants to die but at the same time it's like i made my money you know like i made walking dead like yeah no, he's just fucking else. having fun at this point Oh, yeah. Like, this is clearly him. Like, what I love about this show is that this is like a very clear. I'm taking a second pass at writing this properly. I'm taking all the bad, dumb, like, kid jokes out. All Like, all the stuff that's questionable from the early 2000s that would have been funny back then is all gone now. I'm getting to throw in all these amazing fights that I wasn't really able to, you know, put into on a onto a 2D page kind of thing. I am. I will say that is wrong because you re- need to watch the read the book and look at ryan otley because that boy can draw people getting pulped well i'm just like, saying in terms of like you said that the uh omni man taking out the oh yeah, yeah. Of the globe sort yeah. of thing was was expanded for this yeah. and that's yeah. that sort of thing so yeah. maybe, you know maybe that was something he wanted to do the first time around but it was so early that he couldn't get his editors to go along with it or something and yeah so. absolutely possible or he just didn't he just felt like that it was shock it's shocking on a comic page to see like your justice league analogs just get fucking pulped you know just, what I mean? just so. laying there in an indiscriminate pile of like blood basically. And, and organs on the ground it's basically when they show you like in <laughs> the next issue which, what comes from you yeah when they show you like the crime scene like the next issue with cecil like he's poking around it or whatever it's like jesus fucking christ like he cut some of them in <laughs> half and shit it's, just, it's repulsive so anyway yeah. uh yeah what else i mean sandra O oh, as debbie is really good i'm not even that big in sandra O, oh, but she does so good in this yeah she's very good uh i like they've expanded the debbie character a lot it's again it's one of those like blowing robert, uh, robert kirkman for doing the writing like taking the time to rewrite stuff that was maybe weak in the original mm-hmm. run uh amber was like a non-entity in the original run has much more character now yeah well apparently when they when they were able to cast as he beats they expanded yeah. that role and and changed it considerably to match as he beats his you know, sort of personality and stuff too 
Yeah, that makes sense because if you can get Zazie Beats to do that, because like the the Amber character in the comic is a pretty like a, a very much like a non-entity. She's very much the Gwen Stacy to the story, where like mm-hmm. she doesn't die obviously like the way Gwen does, but like she's kind of like his first girlfriend, and then he moves on to Adam Eve. redhead things, I guess, basically. Because yeah. <laughs> if you're not completely aware that that's going to happen at some point, then I don't know what TV show you're watching. So it's not the same one I was. Who, uh, who else when we talked about? I mean, fucking Titan was voiced by Mahershala Ali. Yeah, that's really Mahershala Ali. Uh, Battle Beast is Michael Thorne from Star yep. Trek. Uh, Zachary so Quinto awesome. is the one that voiced Robot. And initially, yeah. And then like they switched that at some point to somebody else. <laughs> and I, I love that the high school is named after Reginald Bell Johnson <laughs> from Die Hard and Family Matters. And then they have him do a guest appearance as yeah. the principal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, it's so good. And then like it actually is Reginald Bell Johnson high school in the comics too and i'm like oh, how yeah? did that even happen yeah that's like it, it, they tied it they tied it through <laughs> in the comic i was like that's great and then clearly kirkman had some say over the casting because there's so many fucking walking dead alumni up and down this and some of them you won't even be aware of because they're like latter season yeah walking dead enough. people but i mean stephen young obviously was glenn ross marquand played alan in Walking Dead, and he's plays multiple roles. The Immortal being, I think, kind of the biggest one, but a yeah. number of other roles too. Yeah, we'll get into the. We'll get a lot more Immortal. Yeah, going on. So this uh, the season go. Carrie Payton, who voices Black Samson, played. Oh, what the fuck's the character's name? Uh, Ezekiel in oh, okay, the Walking yeah. Dead TV show. Lauren, I know Cohen. the character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lauren Cohen, uh, who played Maggie in Walking Dead, voiced War Woman in the the pilot or the the first episode. Sonequa Martin Green, who's in Discovery now, but also started out in Walking Dead, played the or voiced Green Ghost. Chad Coleman, I can't remember who he played in Walking Dead, but he is in Walking Dead. Was Martian Man? Michael Cudlitz was Red Rush, who was also in Walking Dead. Lenny James, who is Morgan in Walking Dead and is now the lead character on Fear the Walking Dead uh, voice Darkwing. So like oh, okay. the, the entire Global Guardians ex, uh, are basic or Guardians of the Globe, original Guardians of the Globe team is basically fucking Walking Dead alumni. Well, that's good because they're all gone now. And so. they're all, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it fucking spits, right? They're all Walking Dead. Like by yeah, the end they're of all that. fucking pulp with this. <laughs> yeah. And you know what the funny part is? Like did, we haven't missed it. I don't think we've missed anybody. The only thing I'm, did we mention Clancy Brown does the, the yeah. I want to say he does Damien Darkwood. Damien Darkwood. Yeah. Yeah. And then Kevin Michael Richard does the Mahler twins and he is perfect. Like he yeah. sounds so much like Clancy Brown too, actually. Yeah, when yeah. He started talking. I was like, wait, he is that Clancy it. Brown? He did a few voices as well. And Kevin Michael Richardson, he's, I mean, he's just one of those like journeyman voice actors. He's been in all kinds of uh, animated series. Oh, did you see who the Martian emperor was? Was uh, Jamon Honzo? uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, That's awesome. He's fantastic. Fucking Stargate and multiple Marvel properties. Was he, he was in Lost originally too. Wasn't that where he first showed up? Was that where he first showed up? I don't know. I can't remember anymore. Did he play Mr. Echo? Was that him? I can't remember anymore. No, no. He didn't play either Echo. way. The either Echo, way. Echo was one of the guys from Oz. Oh, right, 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 right. Yes, that's right. Yeah, Jamon Honsu, uh, people know from uh, Guardians of the in, Galaxy. A, yeah. yeah, in Aquaman. He was in one of the Thor movies as well. He was in fucking. Is he in a Thor movie? Yeah, I think he played one of the maybe Dark Elves or something like that in one of the oh, Thor okay. movies. Because he's got a, a talking part in Guardians of the Galaxy because he's yeah, the one who yeah. asked Star-Lord. When Star-Lord's like, I'm Star-Lord, man. He's like, who? Yeah. That's, that's him. <laughs> yeah, I think he's done multiple roles. Marvel oh, he, he, was, he played uh, Korath in Captain Marvel as well. 
Oh, there you go. There you and go. He yeah. played the wizard in the Shazam movie, and he's been all the fucking. Yeah, he's got the voice, right? He's got that very distinctive like yeah. way of speaking. He so, might be yeah. the only person that's played multiple roles in both DC and Marvel movies. Possible. It is possible. The only other guy I can think who like actively crossed over was that the the guy from the Dark Knight who was in Ant Man. Uh, the comedian guy whose name I cannot recall. He plays oh, the, the the Russian Baba Yaga guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know who you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah. He's been in a couple things in the Marvel stuff too now. Yeah. But either way. But the thing I appreciate about the voice cast as well is that they weren't stunt casting when they needed somebody to voice a character that needed like a very, you know, a, like a, a fine tuned voice actor. They went and got that person. They yeah. weren't like, oh, let's just find one of our friends to voice this role that you know is like monster girl who needs to be able to sound like she's a fucking like 12 year old and shit like that and also like if they want to keep that voice actor for when they use that character throughout the run is going to need to be able to sound like an adult also so yeah it gets it gets complicated it's <laughs> complicated fantastic book just read the book man just read the book <laughs> you're gonna keep saying like read, read invincible everybody just read invincible that's my key cred everything just read fucking invincible it's so good watch the show <laughs> read it just swim in it it's beautiful depths it's fantastic anyway <laughs> Yeah, like I have, I have, like I could blow the whole fucking show. I loved all of it, so I, I don't have, like I don't have anything specific that I want to talk about in terms of the voice cast. Aside from like, I love that they cast Gillian Jacobs as Adam Eve because it means I am going to enjoy that voice the entire time that's going <laughs> on. And then like I was pleasantly surprised by Stephen Yun because like I didn't watch a ton of Walking Dead. Like he was fine on what I saw, but like this is like he sounds. This is the best Peter Parker performance I've ever heard. You know what I mean? And that's what you <laughs> want for a Mark Grayson, and that's perfect. And then, like, just J.K. Simmons, just uh, with a fucking bullet, he crushed everything. So, can't wait to get back to Omni Man or Nolan and his continued horse shittery uh, for the rest of the run. So, yeah, good times. I feel like the series was paced really well overall. It was a good, like, back and forth between more personal moments with mostly with Mark and his relationships and that sort of thing. And then the big, fucking insane, crazy superhero fights. It kept kept things moving along pretty well. Yeah, what I like about uh, Invincible as a whole, like the comic and now the show, is like it's paced like it's like a freight train. Like it's just it's always moving. That's the one thing Kirkman. I'm, I always give Kirkman a lot of credit for is like no matter what in his comics, especially because uh, obviously Walking Dead kind of waffled on this a little bit, but like he likes to keep his shit like keep that plot fucking going forward at all times uh, and like not give your characters too much time to breathe. And I love it. I love it. I love it. And it works perfectly for Invincible. So yeah, the, uh, the pace of this show is going to be like mile a minute forever. So like strap in. Yeah. I mean, looking at that sort of series of teasers at the end of the last episode, I was kind of thinking like, I hope that we don't veer off course too much here and there. Like there, there was a lot of storylines that looked like they could end up being sort of tangents that just end up being filler story kind of thing. But some of those, I bet you some of those like don't even get touched on. They're just, they'll just get left. Cause that's kind of what happened in the comic too. Like they would tease certain things and then go in a completely different direction. Yeah. I'm going to say two words, two names to you that you need to look forward to. You, you have to read the comic. One is Angstrom Levy and the other one is conquest and that's it. It's just going to be, it's pure fucking carnage from here on out. (laughs) (laughs) We've set the stage for like what this universe is like. And it just catastrophe after calamity, after horrific decimation happens from here on out. Like what you're saying is is let there be carnage. Oh, I mean, if you want (laughs) to 
do that to me at the end of this episode, <laughs> then sure, yeah, let there be just all-out carnage. Because I guarantee you, at least Robert Kirkman's going to handle it properly. I'm not entirely... And, like, what's weird about that movie? Andy Serkis is directing it, so I'm yeah curious about it more than I would be otherwise. But I'm still like, I don't want to watch this at all. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm just not a symbiote guy. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, Spider-Man and the symbiotes is not something that works for me. It's like, not a this story. really messy fucking Tom Hardy, like, symbiote relationship thing that they've got going. It's yeah. Just a really I, like, weird I, Eddie Brock. I just, and I, I'm just, I was never a big Venom fan to begin with, like, aside from the visual kind of thing. Like, it's just too yeah. sci-fi for me. Where, like, I don't know. I don't know. And then, like, if they you just used him as a boogeyman, it would be one thing. But then he became, like, 90s, like, edgelord famous anti-hero and i'm like i have no use for that character at all you know what i mean spider-man is edgy and anti-hero-y enough in at times for me i don't need to have this other brain-eating version of him floating around like it's anyways back to invincible yeah i I, we already talked about like the realism is one of the things i really appreciate you know how difficult and not not just in terms of the gore although that's definitely part of it but how difficult it would be to actually keep a secret identity when you are just kind of thrown into it out of nowhere like mark is yeah absolutely like by by the end of the first season his two best friends know his fucking identity yeah, but then also how bizarrely easy it is, too, because, like, Adam Eve is just wandering around with no face mask on and nobody <laughs> fucking recognizes her because she's, like, how do you not know? You, like, watch the TV and see, like, hot redhead in leotard, and then well, you go Mark, to school and Mark be like... recognizes her right away. Well, yeah, I mean, because he's not an idiot. You know, <laughs> he's just, like, everybody else in the world's a giant moron. When he's been close up face-to-face with her, right? Like, most most people only ever see these superheroes, like, at a distance, right? That's true. That's fair. So. It's just, it's, it's baffling to me when they, they use the Superman, like, and it's, like, even more of the Superman trope, where it's, like, she's not even wearing a mask. Yeah. She's just, she's basically using her body to distract people from looking at her face. So, like, it's, yeah. the, it's the power won't, or power girl reason for not yeah, ever needing a secret window. identity there right so (laughs) but yeah also how realistic the gore is like the actual impact of a superhero (sighs) crashing through a fucking building and through like two miles of road kind of thing like is chef's kiss yeah all of that carnage that is unleashed you know is is realistic right they're not shying away from the fact that if a superhero gets punched through a fucking building then dozens if not hundreds of fucking people die and like i don't need this in all my superhero stuff you know what i mean but like in, in in a case like Invincible, where like the world's built around it, I it, I love it. It works a hundred percent for me. Like I don't need to read Superman and be like, oh my god. Like that's why Man of Steel is such a pain in the ass, right? Because like, oh my god, my paragon of virtue, Superman, is responsible for killing ten million people in Metropolis, basically yeah. in that movie. So like it takes away from it. Whereas if you, it's part of the universe from like the, like at, at the DNA level, like it is in Invincible then yeah, it works perfectly because you're like, oh, this means there's real consequences to all this stuff. Some of these people can die and permanently die. Like some of them are human. They don't get to come back the way like a Viltrumite may or, you know, whoever kind of thing or survive shit. And even things like as simple in the first episode uh, where uh, Red Rush is getting all those people away really quick and then they all start puking one after the other due to motion sickness. Like I just, I just love those little nods to like, okay, in reality, if you're like moving people and decelerating them this fast, there's going to be consequences. Like you're giving these people concussions and shit by yeah. doing that because their brain is like sloshing around in their skull when you decelerate that fast. And that's this kind of stuff that they never like shy away from. Like even in the comic, they would make reference to like he'd be like he becomes much more powerful as time goes on, right? Like 
Mark, because mm. right now he's just getting pulped by everybody. But eventually <laughs> he's the one doing the pulping. But you get into these situations where like he needs to get somewhere fast and he's like working with Eve and she can't fly as fast as he can. And he's dragging her along and like he's literally hurting her because he's going faster than she's capable of going because mm-hmm. he's built. She might able to she, do that. Yeah, she doesn't have the protection that he does need the, the, the invulnerability that he does. kind of thing. Exactly. Right. So like they're always dealing with that kind of stuff and it's always handled like it's almost like because it's all just Kirkman's brain, right? Everything gets to scale out properly because he gets to sit there and decide where everybody lands. And there's no third person coming in mm-hmm. and like go, being like, this week Superman can move a star. Exactly. You know what I mean, it's yeah. always like inside his little box, which is perfect. That that's yeah. exactly where you want your fictional universes to be is inside one person's box where the rules are consistent across the whole thing. Crazy. And sh- fuck no, I, I'm. <laughs> As hard as possible when it comes to this show. So you can <laughs> fucking take all the innuendo you want. That's how much I love this show. It's so good. Yeah. I'm going to just talk dirty at you now. That? <laughs> and, and yeah, I, I had a feeling based on the way that you described the show that it was going to be just fucking brutally gory. But let's just reiterate, the show is not from the faint of heart. I struggle to think of any other Western animated series with a similar level of gore. I can only name one, Castlevania. That's the only one I can think of is this fucking gross in terms of like get bodies getting pulped in the middle of the scene. But even that, like Castlevania is is originally a Konami property. Like it's originally It's a horror property also, yeah. yeah. So it kind of tracks with that kind of stuff. It's originally an an Eastern uh, story and everything, whereas like Invincible is written by an American guy animated by it's it's debatable because it's like Castlevania is basically an uh, an Eastern take on on a Western story, right? Like it's, true, it's Dracula true. through uh, an Eastern lens. So, yes and no, but it's also written by uh, an Englishman. You know what I mean? And produced mm-hmm. by an American team, the animated show. So yeah, but I just I, in terms of violence, that's the only show I can think that I watch that comes even close to it. Yeah. Like it's it's up there with the boys in terms of like just like how gross it gets yeah. but it's 10 times more so because it's animated and they can get away with it basically yeah. and it so. is kind of confusing to me as to why amazon in particular has decided to make two series now with like such similar premises like the boys and now this you know sort of supermans who aren't what they seem but then when you think of jeff bezos basically this world's lex luther yeah wanting to make multiple series about how you know Superman analog characters are actually the bad guys. Yeah. It all starts to make sense. Yeah. <laughs> You'd think he was secretly running Warner Brothers at this point, too. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of in, in terms of the Gorn shit, I did have some cognitive dissonance with it because I'm just not used to that level of blood and gore in immediate format that my mind automatically wants to associate with, you know, fun cartoons and shit like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it takes it does it's it can be a little bit jarring in that respect. And that that I think was the aspect of it that I found the most jarring. If this was in live action, I mean, we just watched the boys. I probably wouldn't yeah. fucking blink. But the fact that it's in animation is it's just it's not something that I've seen in animation before is that level of graphic violence. Yeah, it's a very like anime esque kind of level of violence. Like if yeah. you're into like some of the gory yeah, anime yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, that was the, that was the this one thing that them. I was kind of comparing to was like some of the sequences in like say the Animatrix or some of like the samurai anime anime and shit like that. There's definitely yeah, but that's okay. that's more Eastern animation. Yeah, or Eastern stories, I should say. I mean, this is animated by you know Korean, Korean or something team, yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't know. Yeah, it's it wears its anime influence, honestly. Like there is some Dragon Ball to this as well as Superman. You know what I mean? So, and I should say, I mean the the animation for the most part is fucking great. The action is great, and it's well, I'll say shot, well yeah. shot and framed, and you know, quote unquote shot in terms of how they frame the the shots and everything, and how they you know use the quote unquote camera moves and stuff like that is all pretty good and stays for the most part at a high level and they really do use the fact that it's animated to full effect because they do things that probably would not be practical to do in live action, especially on the budget that the show probably had. Yeah. I, I imagine this show was probably done on what a third of the budget of the boys or something like that. Probably. Cause you just have to am- like, you can draw anything, right? Like yeah, it's the exactly. same. It's, it's like the, the old uh, argument of the Simpsons. Like it costs us just as much to put them on the couch as it does to put them on the moon. Yeah. So you know what I mean? Might as well. Yeah, you can do whatever you want, basically. So it's just a matter of like pencil miles, right? Like you get to pay your artists, and they obviously did because this, like, it, it, there's some quality work in this show. So yeah, yeah, I didn't have a ton of qualms about the animation. Uh, occasionally, like, I could see the pencil budget, like the budget moving around, but that's there were some, like, yeah, there were some cases where they zoomed in on a cell more than they feel like they should have, and you could yeah. kind of see where it had been digitized, and there was a little bit of pixelation on some of the the line art and shit like that. Yeah, that was it was pretty that was pretty few and far between. Yeah, it held up to, like to 4K viewing, not too, too badly. So I was yeah. uh, pretty happy with it overall. Like animation is always one of those things like hit or miss when you start moving into like ultra high def and stuff. So, yeah, no, I thought I think it I think it holds up pretty well that way. So let's wrap this up. Like I like I said, I can sit here and fucking blow Invincible for like the rest <laughs> of the night because I love the shit out of this. Like I love the comic and the show's just it's just the comic animated and it's. I mean, stuff's reshuffled and stuff, but like nothing that really distracted me. Like we we got introduced to Titan earlier than we we should have, I guess, based on the comic and stuff, which is fine. So let's wrap this up and give it a uh, like final thoughts and score thing. I'm just gonna like blow this out like nine out of ten, nine point five out of ten, nine point five out of ten. This is the, probably my favorite thing that I've seen, or it's definitely my favorite thing that I've seen this year. I guess WandaVision and Falcon included. I'm way more invested. I guess I'm just more invested in Invincible already because of the comic, but. Man, I just love the shit out of this ride, even if it is like the 15th time I've been on it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, get out there and watch it. What do you think? I'll go with the solid 9 out of 10. I don't think I would put this above WandaVision. Well, I don't know. WandaVision. They're, really, they're very different beasts. You know what I mean? Like, WandaVision is a little bit more it's of, kind like of an out. apples to oranges comparison. Yeah. But yeah. I think, in terms of my personal preference and enjoyment, I probably enjoyed wandavision a little bit more but this is a a really solid start there's obviously plenty more story to go so i'm on board to see where this fucking goes uh and the other thing too that i hadn't really know had a chance to talk about is that it's got a for for my taste a pretty fucking solid soundtrack too there's a bunch of like really solid indie rock needle drops in here as well that uh that that kept me going along through the through the series it worked for me because he's a teenager, so it was, but it was a little pop punky for my particular taste. But I'm, you know, it, it worked like for, like for what Invincible was, the energy oh, was right. Yeah. So I was like, I was happy with that. Yeah, probably not as glowing. Indie comic, as, indie music. Yeah, no, it totally worked. I, did you notice his uh, favorite comic is what is it? Seance Dog. Yeah, Seance Dog. Oh, did I you? didn't see that. In the in the original comic, he is he reads another he reads a comic called Science Dog. But like that's now a property on its own. That's going to be a cartoon, oh, yeah. <laughs> apparently. So when he, they were readapting this, Kirkman was like, "Well, I can't use Science Dog because I'm actually legitimately making Science Dog its own comic and stuff like that. <laughs> so I need a new thing." So he came up with Seance Dog, and it's now instead of being Doc Savage, it's uh, Doctor Strange. 
I was like, that's fucking brilliant. I love you guys. I love you, <laughs> Robert Kirkman. You make my life better by writing goofy comic book horse shit. So there you go. Nice. Awesome. So like, I guess this is where we move over to geek cred and recommend you some shit that isn't invincible, even though you should be watching invincible already. <laughs> Tim. Uh, my geek cred for this week is that Russian adaptation of the fellowship of the rings that, uh, <laughs> resurfaced recently on YouTube. It's on in your like, own. it's in two parts. It's about two hours long total. It is fucking insanely exquisitely bad. Yeah hobbits with mullets terrible effects gandalf with like the worst fucking wig you've ever seen horrible music with tons of like electric guitar and synthesizers it is just so mind-blowingly bad that it deserves to be lampooned like this this begging for the mystery science theater 3000 treatment so just like get fucking wasted and watch it i'm trying to get the red letter media guys to watch it because i think (laughs) that would be brutal it would just be hilarious to watch (laughs) Yeah, I watched about three minutes of that when Tim <laughs> sent it to me, and like I, nope I don't the care. Fuck about out. I just noped out. Yeah, because I was like, I just, I'm not invested enough in this Lord of the Rings bullshit to be putting up with this level of production quality on something <laughs> at this point. I, I'll just watch fucking something on YouTube. <laughs> I mean, at least then I'll know it's like be produced within at least a certain level of quality. Not this. This is horrific, <laughs> and in Russian. So like, I don't know what's happening anymore. So yeah, that was a that was a rough one. I'm just gonna recommend one song. Tim's Tim's favorite comic book company for some reason keeps putting out <laughs> singles by bands I love, and it's baffling to me. They keep doing this dark night metal shit, and every once in a while you'll put out a fucking song by Chino or Jerry Cantrell, and even though that fucking series ended like six months ago or some shit at this point. Well, I feel like this is actually series. this like this. So the, the the track I'm recommending, you just go type it into fucking Spotify or your music streaming thing of choice called Forged by Neuron. By Mastodon. And I only laugh because it's just bizarre that Mastodon has taken the time out of recording their new album to basically write a DC comic song. Record this song about a C list fucking nineties DC like magic villain. To be honest with you, it's a really good like it's a good Mastodon riff too. I was like, this should be on the album. I hope it's on the album actually, because it's a good fucking track. I was quite happy with it. So I don't know what the fuck DC is doing with this stuff, but like it's it's, mind boggling to me as well. Just like they really need to, they they have let Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo too far off the leash. They need to be bring back in. I concur a hundred percent, you know, like I love that team as the Batman creative team, but like just letting them run rampant in basically the heavy metal version of DC's future. Like I do not need that at all, but I will take a fucking Mastodon track every once in a while. So I don't know what to tell you. Forged by Neuron. Go listen to it. It's fucking dynamite. Just the weirdest shit ever. Oh, fuck. All right, uh, everyone. Thank you for listening so much. This has been episode 251 of Dance Robot Dance. If you haven't already, please subscribe. You can do that from any podcatching app you want. I'm not even going to list them all. I don't care anymore. Uh, if you have any thoughts about what we talked about this week, you can hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast on Twitter at DRD underscore podcast, or you can email us at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com. I'm Mark. I'm on Twitter at M underscore bullet or Instagram MT underscore bullet. I've been here with Tim, who's also on Twitter and he can give you his own fucking handle. DRD underscore Tim. It is new. Come follow me. Sure. Yeah, do that. Absolutely. You can buy a print at blackringgallery.com. That's basically it for us this week. Go watch Invincible. I think that's it. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? No, that's it. Watch this Perfect. show. It's good. Yeah, just, it's quality. Just like wear a poncho.
I mean, if you were in, could you imagine watching this in like a holodeck kind of environment? You'd absolutely need to like wear a poncho. It'd be like the Evil Dead musical where there was like a splash zone in the first couple of rounds. I was just thinking about that Evil Dead musical when you said, like, it'd be like the Evil Dead thing where you're like, you're definitely going to get wet in the first three rows. (laughs) Nasty. Anyway. No, still, the show's awesome. Take it, take it all. It's fine. All right, we're out of here. Later, guys. (laughs)